Drama City Productions presents. Access granted. Welcome, nerd. Episode 42. Horror comics, video games, wrestling. Load complete. When there is no more room in hell, the dead will walk the Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Dave. This is the Amazing Nerd Show. So, I just got through watching uh, Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. It's a yeah. family tradition here in the Raffi household. Watching with my daughter. I've got a four-year-old. And, my God, it's not a kid's cartoon <laughs> at all. Those are some miserable kids. Yes. Like, Charlie Brown's friends... Are a bunch of assholes. The way they treat Charlie Brown is insane. Yes. My God. I mean, I love that shit. Again, I still love it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's totally like nostalgia and everything. But there's a reason why Charlie Brown has a therapist. <laughs> and the fact that his therapist is like his biggest bully at the same time is pretty fucked up if you think about it. But like, I'm watching this. I'm like cringing at everything. I was like, man, they treat Chuck like shit. They really do. Like, I wouldn't... I, would you blame him for snapping? <laughs> no. Like, it's insane. <laughs> what the hell were we watching all these years? <laughs> I don't know. I've never been a big Charlie Brown fan. Really? So. Oh, my God. I ate that shit up as a kid. <laughs> every special. Like, every holiday, you know, there's mm-hmm. a special. There's the Thanksgiving, the Christmas, obviously, the Halloween. Even there's the Easter, you know, the Easter Beagle, whatever. But, man... I love Great Pumpkin, but that whole, like, I just feel so bad for Charlie. Like, even the neighborhood, like, the neighbors are assholes to him. They keep on giving him fucking rocks when he's trick-or-treating. Like, every, like that's the whole thing. Like, he trick-or-treats, and then everyone tells them, what you know, each other what they got, and then Charlie Brown pulls out, and he's like, I got a rock. There's no way, like, as an adult, I, every time I end up, you know, watching an episode, I just, you know, it turns off and I feel depressed. Like, it's a depressing <laughs> fucking cartoon. Like, the Christmas one's the worst of all, though. That one's just horrible. But, like, you know, you feel bad for Linus. He's sitting in that pumpkin mm. patch. You know, a, like, I don't know where these, this, these kids, like, parents are. You know, it's like three o'clock in the morning. He's still sleeping in the pumpkin patch. And his sister comes and gets him, for crying out loud. I think there's some, like... Weird um, <sighs> conspiracy theory about that <laughs> that moment about him in the Great Pumpkin. I'm just trying to remember what it is. Okay, like him having some like maybe taking drugs or something while <laughs> there. What? I don't remember. <laughs> I guess it makes sense, but I mean, the kid, the poor kid, just has his holidays mixed up, and everyone shits on him because of it. Like, uh, <laughs> I just feel horrible for these kids. So I don't know. I don't know, but yeah, yeah. Yay, Great Pumpkin. 
But anyway, uh, we got a lot of news this week. Yes. Luke Cage. Cancelled. Fuck you, Netflix. <laughs> what the hell? I came out of the movie theater reading, catching up on my texts after seeing Halloween, and that's the first thing I see is Luke Cage canceled. Yes, yes. Everyone's I, talking about the movie around me, and I'm just like, what the fuck I, is happening? Especially after last, last season. Mm-hmm. The way that he left you hanging, like, you're expecting this, like, fucking epic story arc, and they cancel it. I can't believe what the fuck. I, it's gotta be Netflix sticking it to Marvel. Mm-hmm. It has to be like a defensive move against like Marvel's streaming service. That's the only thing. The only way I can just wrap my head around it. Because from all accounts, it doesn't sound like it did poorly, like ratings wise, like Iron Fist did. So it doesn't really. And it got a lot of like critical acclaim for last mm. season. So they were saying creative differences. I don't buy it, man. I think Netflix is just trying to like, you know, I don't soil those shows. Yeah, I mean, they didn't have to soil Iron Fist. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but soil at least, you know, Luke Cage. Mm. Just to, you know, I don't know, get Marvel streaming off to the wrong foot. Because, I mean, right away you think, okay, well, they can just throw it on, you know, either Hulu or their own streaming service. Or maybe it's Marvel's way of, you know, getting them to drop the show so they can pick it up. Yeah, I don't know how it would work, you know, contract-wise. There's also people talking about, like, possibly, like, a Heroes for Hire show but it doesn't seem that and i thought maybe you... i was like oh maybe this is a ploy mm. to like okay they're just you know making headlines now so then they announce the heroes for hire you know show in a month or two get fans to rally around the shows it's not working with the iron fist by the way but you know <laughs> you know with luke cage and then you know get people excited for heroes for hire mm-hmm. but story-wise it makes no sense for where luke cage left off at all so I don't know what the fuck they're doing. It's really bizarre. And it makes me scared for Daredevil. For all those shows. Yeah. Because you don't know, like, what, could they pull all three remaining shows now because of that? Yeah, well, this Punisher's in the can. Yeah. We know Punisher's in the can. I believe Jessica Jones is in production right now. So I feel like those two, at mm. least those seasons, are safe. Uh, those are those three heavy hitters right now. Mm-hmm. That, that would be big news if that gets... See, I thought Luke Cage was a bigger, like, I don't it... know, rating straw than Jessica Jones was. I know it, like, shut down the server that when season one debuted. Hmm. Well, when season one debuted, it's because we had come off the high of both Daredevil and Jessica Jones at this mm-hmm. point. So we we're expecting um, Luke Cage to be just as massive. But I wasn't... I mean, personally, for season one, I wasn't extremely impressed it was uneven. Yeah, season we've, two. We've discussed it. It's definitely mm-hmm. an uneven season, but I felt like season two, two. redeemed yeah. a lot of that. So, I mean, I was really excited for season three of Luke Cage. Um, you know, I, I feel like the story will still get told somehow, maybe through the other, you know, character seasons. Even if you wanted to take um, where they are with um, Luke Cage and just put it into Heroes for Hire, have... It'd be um, Iron Fist helping him get out of that situation. That's well, fine and then you've got, uh, you know, uh, the, what is it? The Daughters of Dragon or the Dragon Daughters. Mm. What, what the hell's the name of that? The team. Because they totally, they've been part of Heroes for Hire. Mm. So they their story can be told there too. And they work together a bunch in um, season two of Iron Fist. So. Yes. So, I mean, there's definitely room, you know, to tell both those stories. 
you know, in like a, a 12 episode season. I feel like it's doable. Um, and maybe it's a way to save money because they were also, they noted like budget concerns and everything. Um, but I don't know, man. Costs a lot to do that glowing fist, huh? I, <laughs> um, Netflix has all the money in the fucking world, so I don't buy that shit for a second. You know, I, I feel like you're strategic, really. You know, mm-hmm. it's a way to kind of get at Marvel. God, didn't Netflix pull in more? Right now it was pulling in more than Disney? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I know, I, I think Amazon. Was it Amazon? Oh, was Amazon's through the roof. Yeah. Yes. I think Amazon Amazon's on a different be. level. <laughs> so, but I, I thought don't know. I like, heard reports that Netflix was, as of this year, was making more money than Disney. That's crazy to think about mm-hmm. with all the properties that like Disney has under their roof that Netflix would be making more money. That's insane. So if that's actually true, that's crazy. You know. It's interesting times. It's interesting <laughs> fucking times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're getting like the streaming wars, you know, of twenty eighteen. It almost feels like they're behind though. Everyone's trying to catch up to where Netflix is. Uh-huh. Oh absolutely. Services, so. Absolutely. Um, do you do you have Hulu? Yes, I have Hulu. Okay, I mean you've you've watched Runaways on Hulu and stuff. And I haven't finished Runaways, but I have watched. Okay, Runaways. I, I saw the trailer for season two had come out recently, so I'm like, I need to catch back up. I need to watch this. Production wise, do you feel like they're up to stuff with like the Netflix shows? You know what? Um, they just started. Not just just started, but they've I've seen Hulu start to really pay more attention to having their own originals. With shows like Handmaid's Tale that they've been producing and stuff like that, they've really been throwing money into well done stories and stuff like that. Okay. But then going back to Runaways, Runaways feels like it's at least on par with Agents of Shield's budget. Okay. That's what I would say. And like it's not so much with like Daredevil and like Cage. I mean, it's it's definitely like made for TV power sets. Okay. Right now, like, from what I've seen... Just effects-wise and everything yeah. that you're saying. Um, what would you... Are they are they underneath the same umbrella as the uh, Marvel? Like, I don't know if it's the same production team that, um, like, produces those shows. I believe so. I believe that and um, uh, Cloak and Dagger should still be under the same umbrella. Okay, like, I know... Cloak and Daggers are actually really well done. Did Even you watch the whole season? I haven't watched the whole season. I think I'm halfway through, but it was... You're enjoying it? I haven't been enjoying it. How come we haven't been talking? I mean, you know we have a <laughs> podcast, right? Well, I figured I'd probably get probably That we closer. talk about nerdy shit. Like, <laughs> Cloak and Dagger's pretty much up there. I think I mentioned it when it was coming out. Yeah, when I was watching yeah, but that's, I didn't realize that you're... I mean, I guess it's been out for a while, mm. so... We can go back and review it, though. We'll get into it. It's, yeah. it's pretty interesting. I mean, I'll have to get Hulu, but... <laughs> <laughs> that is actually on television. That is um, Freeform. Oh, is it? Yes. Oh, okay. I think I actually have Freeform. Wasn't it like the Hallmark Channel or something? Oh, no. no ABC, ABC Family. Family. Yeah. yeah. Freeform. What the hell does that mean? I don't, they, I don't know. It's so that they can put on more edgier stuff. Okay. Fine. It's still like Freeform does not capture like an edgier <laughs> feel to me. Well, it doesn't have family in the name. It's okay. Yeah, but there, uh, so do a lot of titles. <laughs> Before. It's Disney, man. They're, okay. they're doing whatever they want. Sure. <laughs> it's the house of the mouse. Um, yeah, man. I don't, I don't know. Sad news, though. Sad news. Hopefully something comes out of this, though, where, you know, it really is just leading to a, you know, 
a Heroes for Hire show or, you know, something else. Because even that episode in season two of Luke Cage, I really enjoyed where it was um, Iron Fist and yes. Luke Cage. Oh, yeah, out. they had chemistry. Mm-hmm. And even during The Defenders, we said that there was a bright spot of the show was the chemistry between Danny and Luke. Um, you know, so I, I definitely feel like there's potential there for a good show. So, you know, both shows being canceled mm. doesn't really, you know, help odds of that actually happening. <laughs> but, you know, Marvel has everything that they could possibly, you know, want, you know, yeah. to like, you know, restart these shows. That they, you know, they have their own fucking streaming service. So I, I still don't even know when that's supposed to launch officially. So, I mean, I'm sure it must be mm. soon with all the news coming out. You know, I know uh, the Star Wars show is you know in the midst of production right now and you know we've heard rumblings of the loki and scarlet witch show Mm. that's gonna be one hell of a streaming service (laughs) i mean they already have my money at this point so i'll see i'll see i have so many goddamn streaming services at this point because i also have anime streaming services and um i just found out (laughs) that's that's something small i can talk about um funimation is splitting from vrv and uh funimation does a lot of the like English dubs of anime. Okay. So like their VRV, which is um, this company that has pretty much been like taking all the anime um, streaming services and throwing it into one is now losing a huge company at this point. And I'm assuming it's just to make more money. Funimation has their own streaming service. So it's probably, Hey, you're going to focus on just focus on us, please. Just bring your money to us. Don't have to go through this company. But it's just like, oh, I wanted this all in one place, and now I have to spend $5 somewhere else. <laughs> Is it a $5 service? Yeah, so far. It's only like five ninety nine. So That's nice. Mm. That's nice. I still have not gotten the DC service. Mm. Um, but Titans, speaking of, you know, other mm. news, um, has been getting actually, like, good reviews, believe it or not. So it's got, like, an 82% on Rotten Tomatoes right now. That's good. I, the like, clips still aren't doing no, much No, me, they're not doing anything for me either. But, I mean... It's like out of like 30 reviews, I believe. So it's not bad. I mean, I don't I'll, know. I'll watch an episode. I'll find I plan out, on getting but... the DC service, so mm-hmm. I will definitely check out the show. But like from the clips, I mean, it feels like it's going to be a chore, yeah. <laughs> you know, but hopefully I'm wrong. So, um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I'm more in it for Young Justice at this point. <laughs> so. But uh, moving on, uh, and we'll stick with DC, Wonder Woman has been pushed back until June 5th, 2020. So it was originally going to be coming out early November next year, and now they're trying for this summer. They're going to go for that summer blockbuster money, which makes sense. Mm. I mean, that's around the time I believe the original Wonder Woman uh, hit theaters. So I don't know why they wouldn't. I'm sure, I'm guessing this is due to Guardians dropping out of June, I believe they were in that slot. They were oh, supposed to okay. come, so maybe that's why, you know, they decided, it's... hey, there's nothing there right now, and we don't know what the hell's going on with, mm. like, Marvel's fourth phase, so... I mean, it's already a crowded year coming up for mm-hmm. 2019, and we have Heavy Hitters, Avengers, you have Spider-Man, you have um, Captain Marvel, so I, well, mean, I don't we... mind them going another... Yeah, we saw what happened this year where it felt like movie theaters were basically competing against movie mm. theaters. Movie companies, uh, you know, were competing against themselves. So, I mean, it, it makes sense. Like, it felt like this summer, like we were saying before, was very top-heavy. You know, they released so much in the first, like, month or so. Um, it would make sense to want some space, 
you know, to breathe. So I, I understand why Wonder Woman, hey, June's open, let's take it. Mm. Um, it gives your team more time to work on CG effects and everything. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I have, I still have some faith for Wonder Woman to be done well. There was a rumor that they might try to sneak in kind of like a Flashpoint reset in Wonder Woman. That was working its way around the internet today. So I don't know how that feels like pure fan speculation mm-hmm. to me. I mean, a lot of, I mean, it was baseless reporting, but, you know, it was making its rounds pretty strong today. I say take your time at this point. Take your time. I don't even know if it's needed. I know. Just tell your story and, you know, you don't need to even address, you know, what happened in Justice League. And this movie is Wonder Woman 1984, so it takes place in the past. Mm. So, but yeah, they're saying that's for some, like somehow, I don't know how you would sneak the Flashpoint, you know, storyline into Wonder Woman 1984. But they were saying that it was going to be kind of their way of doing a soft reset to like the DCEU, which I don't, what are they calling it now? The DC universe? Who cares? Something, right? <laughs> people are still calling it the DC. Well, EU people are getting then. angry when you call it the DCEU now. Uh, it's a lot of angry DC. Sorry, fans. I'm putting my hands up for those who can't see. I All apologies. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, I, I just, it's more selfish reasons for me being disappointed because you know, I wanted to see the movie sooner, so mm-hmm. <laughs> it is what it is, though. I can wait to June, I guess, and there's going to be plenty of other shit out there. Um, we got Friday the 13th news. How about that? Yes. Um, what was it? It was uh, LeBron's studio. I'm trying to remember the name. So his studio, Spring Hill Entertainment. Okay. Uh, is um, in talks with Victor Miller, who actually just won the lawsuit against uh, Sean Cunningham. Uh, where the congratulations, yes. So the rights have reverted. He's the original screenwriter of Friday the Thirteenth. So the rights have reverted back to him now. So he is moving forward. He's in talks with Vertigo Studio, who did it, um, and Spring Hill Entertainment, LeBron's company to produce a Friday the 13th reboot. What's interesting about this is he has the rights to the movie Friday the 13th. He does not have the rights to the sequels. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how that works. Because, if I mean, so does that mean a giant, you know, mass burning serial killer with a hockey mask on? Is that off the table? Are we going to get, like, Pamela Voorhees like story? Like, I wouldn't... <laughs> I wouldn't have a problem with it being the mom again. Oh doing God, a no, no, no one <laughs> wants to see that, Christian. Come on, it's got to be a giant fucking mongoloid guy with a fucking either a sack over his head or a hockey mask. No one wants to see a little old lady with yeah, a, but no, a fucking people will be knife. upset, if, especially if it's Jason, but it's not Jason, you know. Well, like it's, it's got to like be Jason. Copyright. Yeah, they can't. They copyright have to, clear. Well, Jason's Jason. in the. I mean, they mentioned Jason, you know, and so they have the rights to that. It's just, I feel like this is a mess. So it's going to be interesting <laughs> what happens. I also think they only have the rights in the U.S. So I think Cunningham still retains rights overseas somehow. So it just feels like this is going to get messier and murdery. Let's, let's all just murdery. shake hands. Yeah. Make a film. And just make a lot of money. Exactly. You know? I mean, Jesus Christ. 
People just want to give you money to see these films at this mm-hmm. point. It feels like a Friday Thirteenth <laughs> film is very easy mm-hmm. to put out there. You know, people will buy tickets. We know that. You know, we saw this past weekend with Halloween. You know, you give us a trailer that kicks ass. People are on board. People are going to show up. You know, have the movie fucking release on Friday Thirteenth for crying out loud. People are going to show up. You know, so I mean, it just it feels like. You know, it just the right people need to get the right checks, basically, and everything will work. I'm out. still waiting for a uh, Jason versus Michael Myers. No, no, <laughs> well, there was the big. I rumor. want to see it. No. They don't. Neither of them talk. (laughs) They're both mute. You have everyone that they're killing talking. Oh, that doesn't. No, no one. Freddy didn't need to talk as much as he talked in fucking Freddy versus Jason. God. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) we don't need these like monster mash movies. We're okay. I was excited for it back then. We're. I was too. But it's it's okay. It's okay. So we can say that just get a solid Friday the 13th movie out there. I'll be happy with that. So, um, but we'll see what happens here. I mean, I have a lot of faith in Vertigo. So, I mean, it's a good studio to be in talks mm-hmm. with. But I don't know, man. I don't know. It, it It's just all the legal shit just makes my head hurt. It really does. <laughs> so, you know, just the whole idea that the rights can revert back to the person and I don't know if it's just like not you know filling out the right paperwork where that happens mm-hmm. it just seems very strange that that ended up being the case here was well, in the similar sense like if um, Fox doesn't do a Fantastic Four movie every like three to four years the rights get reverted I'm not sure because that's well, that's the reason why Jason X was made was to, for them to hold on to the rights <laughs> of the movie. No, honestly, that's why. I did not know Because they were in the middle of trying to get Freddy vs. Jason made, but then they realized that they could lose the rights, I believe, so they had to, like, make a movie. Mm-hmm. So we got Jason in space. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's a fun movie. <laughs> it's a fun movie. It, it doesn't age well. <laughs> um, but it, it, it was a fun movie. I did enjoy it at the time in the theaters, so... Uh, but yeah, it, it does feel like it was, I, I just don't understand how this happens. It's just really bizarre. And maybe that is something, but it feels like this will be happening all the time with like the original screenwriters, mm. you know, like movies getting, you know, or writers getting the rights back to films. So it sounds like a huge fuck up and their, their whole like history with the rights and everything, like between like New Line and Paramount and Sean Cunningham have been a mess in the past, so I guess I shouldn't be surprised. But yeah. But I mean good for Victor Miller, I guess. You know? <laughs> An artist getting, you know, for his now. property back. <laughs> so as long as he makes a good movie, you know, otherwise he can go screw himself. <laughs> so, um, but yeah. Uh we got a bunch of, well not a bunch, but we got well, we got quite That's a few leaks from Avengers. Yeah. This week, and I'm, I'm feeling like they're leaking this shit on their own, <laughs> you know, to get fans talking and get them excited. Or someone's at least getting executed right now. Yes! Oh, God, and my be Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> <laughs> so we got a shot of Gwyneth as Pepper Potts as Rescue, confirming that, you know, she will be wearing the Rescue armor mm. in Avengers form, basically. Um, thoughts? I guess I'm fine with it. I, I feel like we thought this was going to happen in Iron Man 3, which we technically 
She kind of. She was yeah. in a suit for a little bit. She did, and like he kind of had a suit for her, right? Mm-hmm. In that movie. Not Avengers three. I meant um, Iron Man three. Iron Man three, yes. right? Didn't he kind of have a suit for her? Or I, she was. It was definitely a regular his? Iron Man suit. Was it okay? But, so, but it would make sense that mm-hmm. he would have a suit, you know, for her maid at this point. Seems like something he would do. And they wouldn't. I mean, right now they're obviously down a few guys, mm-hmm. so it makes sense that you know they would <laughs> need all the firepower that they could get. So why not? Um, this originally leaked as a toy leak, which it seems like they always do nowadays. Mm-hmm. Someone got a hold on a prototype or something of some like box art and uh, rescues uh, character. Their, her toy was on the back of it. You know, I mean, it, it was just like a very small, but everyone right away started saying, oh, that's rescue. That's got to be rescue. And then sure enough, a week later, we got this yes. like photo of Gwyneth in her uh, outfit. So, you know, it looked really... armor. Um, for you, because like what we see with um, Robert Downey Jr. is like he'll just have like a little bit on, like maybe it's just like something for his face or neck, and then they just CG the rest. Mm-hmm. This is like a full armor that they've put together for her. And I right. thought that was interesting. That was a lot more practical than what we've been getting the last couple of movies. Yeah, um, they and I know there's been lots of rumors about uh, Tony Stark's armor changing quite a bit. And they showed, like, someone got, like, some, another league of, like, some giant weapon that totally looked like the, uh, um, what is it, the, um, it's the Capcom game. It's, like, Marvel versus oh. Street Fighter or something like that. It's, yeah. Okay, yeah. So it looks like one it's of the Marvel cannons. Marvel Capcom. There, yes, okay, yes, there we go. Um, Marvel vs. Capcom. It looks like one of the giant bazooka cannons that, that he uses. Yeah. Yes, yes. That totally was what it looks is like. Is he hiding it on the moon? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> At this point, he's Tony Stark. He can do whatever uh-huh. he wants. So, um, with the possibility of some of these side characters suiting up, how awesome would it be for Suri to uh, jump into that Black Panther? It would be pretty cool, right? Like you know, have her armor mm-hmm. up and everything. It makes sense. I feel like she'd be next in line. Oh yeah, she's one hundred percent. Yeah, right. So I feel I mean, like they would stay with that kind of comic book run of her being um, T'Challa's accessor pretty much yes um it'd be interesting if like but if she will die in that suit or not oh geez always to the dark christian (laughs) (laughs) well she goes what's interesting is whether or not she dies (laughs) (laughs) well she goes to this like she goes to the plains pretty much where um we see t'challa go when he takes the uh when he becomes black Panther. Uh uh-huh and um, the ancestors pretty much imbue her with all this wisdom and then send her You're talking back. about the comics right Yes. Now? Okay, I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's like, this didn't happen in the movie. No, it didn't happen in the movie, <laughs> but like in her story, she gets sent back with all of that. Is this the new solo series? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Is uh, that I just, out today? Yeah, I just read the first issue last uh, week. Are you reviewing it? No. What the fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching Cloak and Dagger. I'm reading Surrey's book. I can but talk. I'm not gonna talk. You have we'll talk a about nerd podcast. We'll talk about. It. I'm just trying not to <laughs> overdo it. We have a lot on this episode already. Yeah, but that's better than some of the issues that we're talking about this week. <laughs> we'll My get to God. it. All right, we'll get to it. All right. That anyway. did stick with me more than what I read this week. So. Well, she has a huge arc mm. as the Black Panther in the in the books. So I mean, it would only make sense, and I think people would be all for it. I mean, she really almost stole that movie. So, I mean, it would make sense. So, I would love to see it. You know, I really would. 
But, you know, kind of exciting news. I'm excited to see your rescue. And that's still me, you know, going towards that I want them to play with the younger characters going forward. Mm -hmm. That's what I would like for um, the next arc to start doing. Have the younger Spider-Man working with Shuri and um, maybe introduce new characters. Ironheart. Ironheart, exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not saying rescue is a young character, are we? No. Because Gwyneth has got to be got like 50. Right. <laughs> I, I'm still the idea that she doesn't survive past this, but... Oh, really? Yes. Mm-hmm. I thought she was going to get snapped out. I'm kind of upset that she didn't. No, I don't think... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I definitely don't know about Tony surviving, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. So, um, we'll see. We'll Maybe see. together in, in an embrace... Just oh, skewer. Oh, that's both. morbid, man. All about the death today. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Wait, we got anything else news wise? Um, no. I think that's it for this week in entertainment news. So speaking of morbid, gruesome death, we're gonna get into our Halloween review this week. Yes. Uh, Halloween did awesome at the box office. Broke a bunch of records. Second biggest October opening of all time behind. Fucking Venom. <laughs> but not too shabby. Mm-hmm. Um, made all of its money back and then some. Uh, I think this movie was produced for $15 million. They have it down. And overall global box office, uh, it made $96.7 million. Not too shabby. Yes. Yeah, so it is the biggest opening for the Halloween series. Um, also, for a female-led um, movie with uh, an actress who's over 50 years old. Oh, so, okay. um, some some nice little milestones there. And we kind of predicted that it yes. was going to make all the money. Mike's going to shatter that shit. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, let's go ahead and read the little synopsis. So, Laurie Strode comes to her final confrontation. Final. <laughs> with Michael Myers. The masked figure who has haunted her since narrowly escaping uh, his killing spree on Halloween night four decades ago. Man, that makes me feel old. Um, Christian, thoughts? Are we, well, before that, are we talking spoilers with this or are we not talking spoilers? Absolutely spoilers. Okay. Um, we won't, re- <laughs> we won't go through the whole movie plot yes. summary wise, but we'll talk spoilers. Well, to start off, I'll say this movie was a fun movie. Okay. It was fun. Um, my crowd was mostly laughing through a lot of it, mm-hmm. which Friday night. Yeah, it was Friday night. Okay, so I had you know opening crowd. night pretty much. Um, yeah, I I thought it was fun. It was filled with you know some good killings, a little bit too many off screen killings. Um, overall, I mean. It's a good attempt at a Halloween film. I don't know if it's what I would say is what I wanted out of it. So, Well, what did you want out of it? I don't know. I thought it would be a little bit more intense. Mm-hmm. I thought the confrontation between um, Laurie and him was going to be way more intense. Uh, it might be a, a little bit more of a battle. I did like what we got from that final moments between them. Like her trying to trap him the entire time. Mm-hmm. I thought that was smart, but at the same time, I don't know. I it just didn't give me. There's too many moments. Okay, that we have people doing the dumb Halloween like, oh, 
I'm gonna run into the forest instead of running straight to where I know help is, and just the dumb slasher yes. movie tropes that we've seen. You know. And I felt like the movie po- poked at that a little bit too much. Like we know what we are, so we're going to just do what we are mm-hmm. um, instead of you know trying to do something different with it at this point. Yeah, I don't know. It felt like it was borderline like remake ish at a point. I agree with that. I agree with that. Um. I agree with you that I felt like it was a fun movie. I enjoyed it overall. Mm. Um, but I did walk out of the theater slightly disappointed. I, I came to terms with that because it took me a while after seeing the movie to kind of like piece together like my thoughts on it. Mm. Uh, there are definitely, you know, big moments that I loved. I thought Jimmy Lee Curtis's performance as Laurie Strode and everything was fantastic. I thought she did a great job. Um, I, you know, and that was kind of something I struggled with, like, you know, before the film was released, knowing that it was based around her character, you know, knowing that we already had H2O, (laughs) um, it felt like, well, what are you going to give me that I haven't seen before? You know, we kind of went down this road. I don't feel like I need Laurie Strode to make a good Halloween movie, Mm. you know, so... Um, that being said, I felt like those moments with, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis and her performance is what really made this movie. Cause otherwise I feel like I would have been like completely disappointed with it. Cause it felt like they were rehashing a lot of things that we've already seen, you know, um, not just from the original, but from like the sequels mm-hmm. too. Um, they kind of fell in the trap that Friday the 13th remake fell into and we kind of talked about yeah. it in the past where you know they were kind of like playing you know greatest hits um you know from the scene that we saw in the trailer you know with him you know running into the kids on the streets and him going into the house and getting his weapon you know getting the knife you know that's directly from the second halloween movie hmm. um it, it, I, her performance though i mean really stole the show you know it wasn't over the top sarah connor's you know, which I was really scared of. I mean, it was a little over the top at times, but like the scene where she, you know, comes into, you know, the restaurant, you know, I, I believe the girl's graduating or something. Yeah. The, the I granddaughter it's graduation party. Yes. And she like sits down after Michael has been transferred and she is like falling apart and she chugs the glass of wine and she just lets out this cry. Like I, like, I, I felt like it was a really grounded performance, and I understood. And, like, it, you know, it's like, okay, we're dealing with a woman who's seriously going through some serious, like, trauma. And, you know, it felt real, you know. Um, but that's kind of where that ends for me, like, her performance. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I didn't feel like the movie had a lot of atmosphere. You know, which was strange. Like, there wasn't enough atmosphere happening with the movie. There wasn't enough suspense for me. I was really expecting to get, like... I don't know. Those little... You know, what made Halloween, the first original Halloween, work was the atmosphere. Was, you know, the suspense. You know, it was Michael stalking, you know, these babysitters. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, how he was always lurking in the shadows. We didn't get that with this movie. It was very... As soon as he's there, it's go time. Yes, yes. So I was disappointed because I thought we were going to get more of a rehashing of that, Mm. you know, Michael Myers, of that Halloween movie. 
but it felt like we were actually just playing like, you know, this modernized, you know, Michael Myers, you know, what people know of Michael Myers from the sequels, which isn't a bad thing necessarily. Like, I love a lot of the sequels, don't get me wrong, but it just wasn't what I was expecting, you know. Um, and I, it felt like it just didn't do those moments well, like, at times. Like, there wasn't enough suspense along with it that went along with it. Like, the moment when, after he gets the knife from, you know, the, the older woman in the mm. house, and then he walks up, you know, into the other house and kills the the younger girl. Like, it was just like, uh, it was a throwaway moment. And it's so many of these moments, too, the bigger moments yes. that we saw in the movie, we saw in the trailers, you know, so I almost, I feel like if I, maybe if I didn't see it in the trailers, like I would have enjoyed those moments more. Like the moment with the girl who's babysitting, yeah, you know, so like the 10 year old kid, kid. Mm-hmm. like we kind of knew how that was going to play out. And that was such a big part of, you know, you know, Michael's killing spree. So, you know, I, that felt flat to me because of that. Like, we knew he was in the closet the entire time. That kid steals that whole moment. That Yes. Yes, he absolutely <laughs> does. That was a fantastic performance by that kid. Don't get me wrong. I love the kid. Um, and I liked, the, actually, the uh, the babysitter who was, you know, watching him. I thought she did a fantastic mm. job. There was lots of good performances in this movie. It just, it, it was the script, I felt like, that let them down. Yes. Like, I felt like that whole, you know, scenario could have been a lot more suspenseful. But, well, you have a killer just walking through a street where kids are having yeah. their trick-or-treating. It's pretty... But even, like, you know, my one problem, like, during the movie with that street scene and everything, like, one, it's a school night. They made sure to tell you that it was a school night. I have no idea why. And this is just me getting hung up on shit. But it was, like, one, like, there's, like, teenagers going to parties. They have this weird high school dance thing going on where I don't know what high school throws this party where, mm-hmm. like... You know, there's no adults there and, you know, in their gym. They just seem very bizarre and out of place. It's like, why did you make it known that it's a school night? Like, this would have played a lot better if it was, like, a weekend. Mm. You know, it would have made a lot more sense. But I was like, it's a school. Like, where are these people going? You know? (laughs) And the street felt way too crowded. You know, like, when Jamie Lee Curtis in the very beginning of Halloween is, you know, walking down the street, those streets are fucking dead. You know, there's a couple of trick-or-treaters, you know, running around and shit like that. But that leads to that atmosphere and her Mm -hmm. feeling like she's not alone, you know, her being stalked and everything. That leads, you know, lends itself to that suspense level. It, it, It just, I don't know. It, you know, and maybe it's just like, oh, is Michael just going to start slaughtering all these people as he's walking across? <laughs> Which he doesn't. No. So, and at least it's the question of why, how not a single person noticed this man walking around with a knife. Uh-huh. Well, the nurse does. The sexy nurse going into the car, like, stops and stares at him and then gets in the car. Like, it felt like, do, like, is there a scene, like, on the, you know, cutting room floor that we didn't get? Like, it just felt out of place. That she kind of looks at him and then gets in the car. Well, he's also staring at her. And I thought that was supposed to be like, oh, I'm staring at you because I'm I'm connecting the fact that you look like a nurse maybe from the hospital that I was just in. Oh, wow. I wasn't. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, you know, my thing was like your dre- the way you're dressed, mm-hmm. you know, would set him off because of that you know too. killing his sister, you know, after she had sex. So maybe that was that was more of the connection I was getting, but I could definitely see that, you know, that'd be a deeper connection, I guess, kind of. Uh, <laughs> he was a doctor and she was a nurse. That's all I was. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Then I was like, is this a Halloween two reference? You know, even though Halloween two, <laughs> Halloween two didn't happen. Um, so that being said, um, a lot of people that I've heard, like, complained about the crazy doctor in this movie, <laughs> who was supposed to be the new Loomis, who mm-hmm. they literally said, Jamie Lee Curtis literally said, oh, oh you're the, the new Loomis. Loomis. I was like, really? Um, uh, I didn't mind his performance, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, is the mad doctor who, you know, spoilers, the big twist is, you know, he's the one who sets up the accident that frees. Well, and I guess they didn't really even say they that. They don't say that he did it. But... It feels that way. Mm. So, and, and I then he totally ends up, you know, mm. killing the police officer, police chief, who hits Michael Myers with his fucking car. Because fuck protocol. Like, mm. He just goes right out. I enjoyed that moment. But then, like, out of nowhere, the doctor, like, turns. Which I kind of, I was like, oh, this dude. Because I had two theories going on. Because they didn't show you what the hell happened with that accident. I was like... Either it was him, the doctor, or it was Lori. Because part of that's what I was. I was like, when she goes to back to the restaurant and everything, and she's all frazzled by this. I'm like, did she just free him? Yes. Like she's been waiting to kill him and all this stuff. I was like, was this all her fault? Yes. But and I I was thinking, I felt sad that it wasn't that moment. I wanted her to be the reason at that point. As much as I enjoyed the doctor, and it was Mm. all because of the just can't be, you know classic slasher like you know goodness that was going on there um it felt very like curse of michael myers part six you know having the doctor like being the one who frees him and everything um i thought the more interesting choice would be to have lori Mm -hmm. be the one who freed him and have like she freed him so she could get a shot at him um you know or because you know she was trying to kill him and it accidentally really you know she accidentally releases him um i thought that would be more of the interesting choice yeah that's exactly what i was waiting for her to say at that dinner table like i released him yes and she says i pray every night for Mm -hmm. this you know day to come or something like that and the the police chief's like why would you do that (laughs) um you know so i mean i don't know the mayor's also an idiot why would you not just cook like at least warn families that there's a criminal on the loose. Who? Which one was the mayor? The the African American guy who's just like, well, we can't cancel Halloween. And I understand. Was he the a, mayor? I couldn't figure out. Who, was he the mayor, or, or was, was he, he just another police officer? Like a I believe or he was above, um, at least above the chief. Okay. Okay. Some form of government. And it felt like he had more to do in this movie, and maybe it got trimmed down. Because it felt like he got some decent screen time in the beginning, mm. you know, with it, and then he just kind of disappeared, like. I was like, okay, who's this guy? What's his deal? Why is he wearing a cowboy hat? This is the Midwest. You know, like, oh. that felt weird, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, it felt like this movie's made by a bunch of Hollywood guys who've never been to, like, Illinois. Like, we don't walk around with cowboy mm. hats on. It just seemed bizarre to me. Um, but, yeah, so. Also, the uh, the weird boyfriend storyline with the daughter went absolutely nowhere. And he just disappeared, no yeah. right? Like, he doesn't have a death scene. I, I feel like that should have been happening. Like, he should... Michael Myers should have shown up at the school at some point. Yeah. And then the fact that 
really the granddaughter serves no purpose whatsoever yeah. besides just giving him a teenager to really chase after like a couple teenagers to stop um besides that you know the final scene everything it really you know she had no part in like whatsoever i did enjoy the parallels that they played with you know the fact that you know in the very beginning of the movie the doctor said you know can you know Lori live without michael and can michael live without Lori? and you know the i guess the podcasters because i believe yes. they said they were podcasters um were saying you know you know did they make you know did they make another you know did michael make another monster referring to like Lori as like a monster did the talking guy with the about mask history. die what because he seemed like he was still breathing after his attack Oh, um, I'm pretty sure he's dead, man. I he guess. was pummeled pretty hard. So, the woman definitely died. Oh, yeah, she's dead. But, like, that's another, like, that scene, and I'm sorry, we're, we're off track, but that scene is totally rehashing a scene in H2O. There's, like, a toilet stall scene mm-hmm. just like that in H2O, yeah. where the mother and the child, they, they, like, Michael just takes the car, but it's very similar to that scene. So it's just a weird choice. <laughs> like, of all scenes, why would you... I was like, hoping a lot more for them, to too. I was hoping there would be a lot more to their story than just that. Like, them coming to the realization that he is the boogeyman. And I really thought the one dude was going to end up being more of, like, the new Loomis, you know? Um, you know, him and the girl. Like, I thought that was going to be kind of like, mm. we're going to follow them more. Um, not the crazy doctor. Yeah, but I knew, like, right off the bat, like, you knew something was wrong with the doctor. The fact that he was letting the podcast guy, like, hold the mask out and taunt Michael with it. Mm. I was like, okay, he'll just walk around to the other side. Of the other I was way. like, why the fuck would he be doing <laughs> It just, I don't know. You were right, sir. I enjoyed the campiness, but, I mean. Why didn't he just walk around to the other side of the square since he wasn't paying attention? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, maybe because the other to inmates, his back. Maybe the other inmates. I don't know. Because we don't want to really see his face. Mm. You know? I know we don't, but I, I just thought it'd be interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, the score was fantastic. I enjoyed the score. Mm. I enjoyed what Car- Carpenter did. The uh, graveyard scene, when he has like the traditional, the shaped stalks playing, and then they have kind of the sirens you know, going at the same time, the big horns like blast in. Or whatever instrument it is that I thought that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that, um, but I felt like he kept the score true to you know what mm-hmm. he's done in the past, but he's updated it enough you know to make it like you know worthy of this movie you know and you really added something you know to it um, differently. So, um, but yeah, there's just so many things that I just. I enjoyed certain parts, but I kept on thinking you could have done this better. Yes. Like there's just certain scenes was like I, like I I needed to see Michael stalking more, you know, to get that old, you know, to get what worked so well in the first Halloween, you know, updated for a new audience. You know, that's what I really wanted to see, you know, and I, I didn't get that. Um, like um, the kill of the best friend of theirs of the granddaughter i thought that worked very well mm-hmm. uh with the lights flickering on and off and then he like appears in different areas okay and he's been like watching them the entire time like that works fine mm-hmm. yeah that and was i felt okay. like if you had that more stalking pace and then you reach to a moment like that that would have been way more yes intense. but once again see like i keep on doing that it was like oh i enjoyed this scene 
But it would have been better if they did that. Exactly. <laughs> There's a lot of that going on, you know, after I, you know, really kind of like digested the movie. I was like, oh, this worked really well. But why didn't they do this? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the doctor stuff. You know, I keep on going back to the doctor stuff. Yeah, it was fun. And, you know, it was like, okay, here's this off the wall character, especially like when he puts on Michael's mask after killing the police chief. But I was like, did we really need that character? And was it, it was just totally a vehicle to like literally get him yes. to Lori's house. Um, and I almost still was thinking, is she working with the doctor? You know, to, <laughs> to you know, because it just didn't make any sense. You mm-hmm. know, like, I don't know. I just, I wanted them to go further with Lori dealing with this trauma. You know, if she's at that point where she's literally, you know, dedicated her life to training to take on Michael Myers mm-hmm. and training her daughter and like almost ruining her daughter's life, getting her taken away from her at like a very young age. Um, I feel like she would have, you know, a- attacked that bus, you know, and like tailed that bus all the way to Smith's Grove and like, you know, mm-hmm. or wherever they were taking him. I think he was at Smith's Grove and they were taking him to like another like facility so it just felt like she wouldn't let Michael out of her sight. And that, that actually brings me to the conclusion. Like, I enjoyed the whole sequence of, you know, the final battle of him being in the house. And then she's like, you know, you know, has the, the, the shoe on the other foot. And she's stalking Michael, mm-hmm. you know, through this. And you had all the little parallels from the first movie where she falls off, you know, the uh the, yes. I love that moment where he t- turns back and she's gone. Yes, and the music played perfectly. Well. Yes, I was like, oh, that's great. She falls off the balcony. <laughs> you know, she's there. He turns around, looks down, and she's mm. not there. Right. That was awesome. You know, um, you know, her like stalking him throughout the house and everything, and then even to the point where you know he's at the basement door, and then she's all of a sudden behind him. You know, in the background. You know, saying, of course, trick or treat. Uh, um, you know, I mean, I enjoyed that, you know, as campy it was, as it was. Um, but then when she sets up this insanely elaborate trap. Yes. Insanely elaborate trap. Um, and the, the, the daughter, by the way, her daughter, I thought, did a great job. Who's uh, Scott Lang's ex-wife in Ant-Man. Yes. By the way. Judith... Here? Yes. Here? Am She's done her a name? ton of roles. I believe Yes. That. She was very, like, I was like, I've seen you in something, and then, like, dawned on me, like, halfway through the movie. I was like, oh, I just saw you in Ant-Man. Um, Judy Gear Greer. I'm pronouncing her name wrong, but, yeah, she played Karen. So I thought she did great. And when she's, like, sitting there, like, I can't do this. I can't do this. Please, no. And then she sees him, and then she's like, got you. And she shoots. I thought that was fucking badass. I enjoyed that. So, <laughs> um, but... That whole elaborate trap that she set up, right? To watch Michael burn. She doesn't stay to watch him burn. Mm-hmm. I felt like her daughter and her granddaughter should have been like pulling her out of that fire. Like she would be trying to stay behind that would have to make to sure yeah. that he's dead. I felt like if she's in that state where she spent 40 years planning for his return... Mm-hmm. Which is just insane, you know, <laughs> as is. It feels like she would not leave that house until she's watching his corpse burn. But instead, of course, we get the setup mm. for a possible sequel. You know, they all leave the house. They're not too rattled that the dad is dead. 
<laughs> As a father, yes. I'd like to point that out. No one's like, where's daddy? You know, oh, whatever. Right. <laughs> um, and then they just, you know, drive off. Mm. Um, you know, they have the little scene where they show uh, the granddaughter holding the knife. Which obviously I feel like is implying that she's now, you know, you have this like generational like, you know, trauma happening throughout the family. Um, but it just, it feels like really the moment would have been, you know, you know, no, you have to go, grandma. We have to like mm-hmm. literally knock you out to take you out of this house. Or them dying together. Like them both, you know, you know, burning alive in the fire. So, I don't know. I don't know. Like, it just didn't go far enough with oh, Lori's storyline. Just for nitpicking for sake, though? Yeah. 40 years of planning and she didn't put bars on those windows to the door? <laughs> well, she wanted him to get in, though. I guess, but she could have died right there and there. Yes. It felt like he got in the house way too easy, too. Like, I felt like there was a way to get him into that house. So, because it did obviously feel like she wanted him to get in the house because she had the whole basement oh, yeah. trap set up. So, right? <sighs> Am I right? Yeah. So, um, I liked that the kid in the beginning, I guess it was the boyfriend, right? The granddaughter's boyfriend who was like, or no, maybe it was the other kid who just disappears in this movie. A lot of characters like show up in this movie for a scene and then just disappear. Mm -hmm. But when they're like walking to school and she's like, I mean, he's like, so like three of her friends died. He does. Um, he's the one on the wall with a knife. Oh, okay. There you go. Okay. Which was an homage to the first movie too. So, um, he, yes, he's the guy on the motorcycle, right? Yeah. Okay, I didn't even piece that together. It's the same guy. Okay. <laughs> um, but the fact that, like, you know, he's totally, like, you know, four, I mean, three people died. People go through a lot more shit like this mm. all the time nowadays. Um, I thought that was funny, because that's literally what, like, half the internet was saying. Like, is she this crazy? Like, I feel like it would make more sense if, like, part two happened. Hmm. You know, at least in the continuity, you know, why she would be so insane about yeah. Michael and everything. But and I understand. <laughs> yes. It's all gone. And I understand, like, you didn't want him to be the brother anymore. But I felt like you could still have used the same line to dismiss that, and it would have worked. Hmm. You know, people would have forgave that. Um, I don't know. I don't know. You know, it just 40 years of planning. Like, hmm. come on. <laughs> Don't Don't you feel like she would try to sneak into, like, Smith's Grove at some point? Yeah. Or just move? I, I, 20 years, I guess I get it a little bit. (laughs) 20 years is okay. 40 fucking years. At some point you make peace. Like, you're like, he's never going to escape. It's going to be fine. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Something sets in. Yeah. You just get tired of waiting, right? You know? I don't know. I don't fully. I'm not a trauma doctor. I'm not. No, and I thought her performance. I mean, yes, you know. I mean, yes. I don't know how, like, you know, someone who goes through PTSD thinks, and you know, I mean, I guess it depends on the individual. Mm. Forty years—that's a long fucking time. There's therapy. Yes. (laughs) Well, obviously, she was refusing. Yes. I mean, a badass performance by Jamie Lee Curtis. Overall, it's definitely not the worst sequel that we've gotten from the no. Halloween movies, and there are some definitely big, bright spots in this movie. Um, but I was a little disappointed. I was a little disappointed. You know, I I enjoyed the ride, 
but I kind of walked out wanting more overall. So, well, if you had to give this movie a rating out of five stars, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a three. All right, I'm gonna give it about three and a half. Okay, you know, it's still fun enough. Um, maybe if you're gonna do kill after kill, show me every kill. That's just me. You know, I was okay, like, with the kills, and to bring up the violence in the movie, it felt like we were getting, like, you know, almost Rob Zombies, mm-hmm. Michael Myers, right? Like, just the physicality of, you know, him, and the fact that he can literally, like, crush someone's head underneath his boots, uh, which was a badass scene, don't yes. get me wrong. <laughs> um, so I was okay with not seeing everything, because I felt like we saw a lot but I don't know like I would have sacrificed some of those kills those bigger scenes for like I said more suspense and more yeah, stalking yeah so I'm just saying for what we did get yeah. I would have rather seen a little bit more. yeah me. Uh, show me him stalking and killing someone and mm-hmm. it could literally be him cutting someone's throat and I'm good or strangling someone um, I couldn't uh, he actually killed the kid that was kind of crazy I didn't expect that the kid who's in the uh, uh, with his dad going hunting oh yeah. discover I didn't see that coming but <laughs> <laughs> I thought you meant the affirmation what about the um and two like the baby scene when he walks up and they're the, the yeah crying. I thought the baby was oh I was like oh for sure. no are they going down this road <laughs> <laughs> that was a nice moment um but yeah so Michael even Michael has a standard mm. I guess <laughs> but yeah now overall I don't know man I was just kind of disappointed. I, maybe I'm just overhyped and I just, I need to like revisit the movie in a month or two, but I was a little disappointed. I gotta say. It could have been a lot worse. Oh, I absolutely. Sure. It could have been Halloween Resurrection. Mm-hmm. You could have Buster Rhymes fucking, you know, roundhouse kicking him. Yes, don't, it could have been a lot worse. Buster Rhymes in the yes. end again. Yes, <laughs> this is definitely for me sequel wise, and, and this is right now. I have to revisit the movie, but it's middle of the pack, you know, when it comes to the sequels. Okay. You know, for me, it's definitely two still is is the top of the sequels. So, I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I mean, wh- where do you think? Because there's going to be a fucking sequel. Mm-hmm. They set that up, you know, for a sequel. They all three generations survived. <laughs> you know, we didn't see Michael burning. He just kind of disappeared. Um, where do you think they go? I see him easily chasing the granddaughter at this point. So do you think Jamie Lee's part of the sequel? I don't think so. I feel like, oh, maybe they'll do, hey, Grandma died. And it's like the funeral. Yeah. And then it kicks off from there. I'd be okay with that. I don't need Jamie Lee Curtis in the mm. next one. I feel like she's going to be in it, regardless. <laughs> but I would be okay with her walking away from the mm. franchise. I think this would be a good way for her, a good send-off for her. You know, she defeated Michael Myers. At least she thought, you know, let her die in peace mm. and, you know, pass the mantle on to the granddaughter. Um, and I, I feel like, it, like, I, I enjoyed the character, even though she was pretty much worthless. <laughs> like, I thought she had the chops to at least, you know, take on the mantle. Um, if he's going to even go after her, though, because, I mean, really, it feels like the only reason he started after, you know, them was because he was just there. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like they'll still, some, for some reason, tie it into the Strode family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of want to get away from the Strohs. I really do. So if they're not family at this point, if they're not literally related to Michael, I don't see the point. Just hey man, bring show back Busto, all right? Oh, God. Please don't. <laughs> Give me that reality TV series. Please don't. Oh, Jesus. Uh, or bring back Paul Rudd. He was in part six. He was you Tommy think, Dole. You think that's the Ant-Man tie-in? You know, the quantum... We do, have, we do have a nice Ant-Man tie-in, right? <laughs> Though you have his ex-wife in this movie, but, uh, you know, hey, whatever. His daughter becomes... It made movie. It, it made money, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the quantum realm's a hell of a thing. <laughs> Paul Rudd would do it. Oh, yeah. He's a cool guy. <laughs> If not, really he'll make it. a camp just for or us. something. Yeah, yeah. Good old Tommy Doyle. So, but yeah. Eh, now I have something to push on him if we ever run into him. <laughs> Do a Halloween movie. Come on, man. Bring it back. <laughs> that movie was the shits, too, by the way. So, I'm okay without it. <laughs> Alright. Well, we're still in Horror Month. So we have a couple movies this week to talk about because we kind of uh, miscounted how many we were counting down to. Yes. <laughs> so in the name of fairness, we wanted yes. to make sure that Christian would get his final uh, movie because yes. next week is going to be a joint entry, mm-hmm. I believe. So um, it's one of the things that we both agree on. So and that's pretty obvious if you've listened to the other episodes where we're going mm-hmm. but uh this week so we've got a dual entry i'm going to be talking about dawn of the dead yes. 1978 the george romero classic um i saw this movie when i was actually god i want to say 17 18 years old so it was kind of late in my horror fandom um mid or no late 90s i want to say so, um, I was a huge fan of Night of the Living Dead. Um, I was a huge fan of Tom Savini at the time. Um, if you grew up a horror fan in the 80s, you loved Tom Savini. He was a rock star. You know, most of the effects guys were in the 80s. Um, you know, so if you read Fangoria or did any of the conventions, you know, mm-hmm. these guys ruled the roost. So, um, but strangely enough, I never saw Dawn of the Dead. So, I was pleasantly surprised when I put this in. I was never a huge zombie guy. I enjoyed Night of the Living Dead. But, you know, that's the the only reason I wasn't a huge zombie guy is because I never saw Dawn of the Dead. And Dawn of the Dead just checked all the boxes for me. It is a classic 70s, like, slow burn movie. So if you are, you know, a younger fan, be prepared for that. Yes. So it's definitely not at the pace of the remake, which I actually enjoyed also, the uh, 2004 remake by Zack Snyder, um, one of his finer works. Um, but this movie is exactly what a zombie movie should be. And it's the template for, I feel like, anything decent we've gotten. Um, in a zombie movie or the zombie genre. So this movie was 10 years after Night of the Living Dead. Um, he was not actually originally looking to make a sequel to Night of the Living Dead. 
Um, it did rather well, had a huge cult following, but he didn't see a penny of that because of forgetting to copyright the movie. Ah. Oops. Yes. <laughs> so um, even to his last days, um, unfortunately, he never really saw any kind of returns from Night of the mm. Living Dead. And that's why you see so many versions of that movie on DVD, on VHS back in the day. Everyone's playing it on TV, you know, free willing, um, because there's no copyright on it. So it really was up for grabs. Um, but yeah, so he was just coming off a movie, Martin, which if you haven't seen Martin, definitely, you know, check it out. It's this, you know, it's, I mean, everything that George Romero ever did was an indie film, you know, even Land of the Dead. But Martin um, is this beautiful, like, vampire story, this modern day vampire story that if you're a film fan, you should definitely check out. Because I think it's one of his best works that doesn't have a zombie in it. And it's his first time teaming up with uh, Tom Savini. So he's coming off of that. Um, and he actually goes on a little tour of a mall that one of his friends just purchased. And malls at that time were a very new concept. You know, these giant shopping centers, you know, that has literally everything in it. Um, were like taking America over. Um, so, but it, it, it's not like today where it's just mm. like, oh yeah, mall, you know, it was, it was a pretty new thing, but it was the big fad. So the, he went on this tour of this mall and he started to like get ideas for like Dawn of the Dead. Um, just like how it would work, you know, how he could see, you know, people surviving, you know, in a, in a place like this, mm. um, through basically the apocalypse. So um, he starts jotting down ideas, but then uh, Dario Argento is actually, I believe, in the States um, for Suspiria, like for like, I guess it was like a press junket or something like that. Um, and he reaches out to George Romero wanting to make a sequel or another zombie movie. Um, he, uh, Night of the Living Dead was huge in Europe at the time, um, you know, and, you know, just overseas. It really, you know, took over. Like, people were really into the movie. Right. So he was looking to go ahead and, you know, make a sequel or another zombie movie. So he literally paid um, Romero to come to Italy, to Rome, and to write the sequel to Dawn of the Dead, or to Night of the Living Dead. So, I mean... He, he didn't really have any kind of creative input. You know, Romero would like write a few pages of a screenplay. Um, a couple days later, you know, someone would come over, translate it for him. And then, you know, they would meet and have dinner and just, I guess, Romero joked they would just motion at each other because neither of them spoke mm. each other's language. Um, this gave, what this gave Argento was, though, he had freedom to do his own cut of the movie after... Romero, you know, Romero had the rights to the United States cut, to the U.S. cut, but then Argento could do, like, a European cut. So there are, like, multiple versions of this movie. Like, Argento's version of this movie has a very different soundtrack. Um, Argento used Goblin, actually, who he used to score, you know, um, Suspiria mm -hmm. and um, many other films that he did. Um, so there is Goblin in Romero's cut, but Romero also used a lot of like his like standard library soundtrack that he uses a lot. Um, and he used a lot in Night of the Living Dead too. So um, the soundtracks are different. There's a lot of the comedies kind of taken out of Argento's version of it, the Italian version gotcha. of it. Um, but 
that being said, that's kind of like how the movie got made. Um, when this movie was released, it was it, there was huge buzz around it, um, even though it was rated X at the time. Um, and they couldn't really advertise, you know, they had lines around the block to see this movie because Night of the Living Dead actually, you know, had such a following at mm. the time. So, and people were just insane when they saw everything that was happening on film because this was the pinnacle at the time. I still feel like it holds the high bar for just graphic violence. Um, the movie starts off with a SWAT team you know, um, coming up on, like, some projects and, you know, um, you know, a gun battle, or you know, ensues and, you know, they're just, there's a scene with a headshot where the head just literally explodes. That's just so fucking brutal. But, um, you know, it's just classic Savini effects, you know, stuff that people really hadn't seen before, you know, on the screen um, being done. So um, it really just, you know, punched you right in the nuts, like right off the bat. So, uh, but yeah, so and, and that ball, the, the movie is just relentless. It really is when it comes to like the violence and everything like that. But it, it's, I, I'm saying that, but I'm also saying like, it isn't like, there's always a reason for it happening. It's never just like, hey, look at this, you know, it's too get rid of a zombie or it's because you know this is happening in the mm. moment it's never just like violence for the sake of violence it makes sense story-wise why everything's it's written in what was that everything's written in yes yes exactly exactly now that being said you know when romero called up savini for this film he, he basically told them start ways start to think of ways to kill people <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, Savini said on set, it was literally like Halloween every day for them because it was like he would come up with an idea to get rid of a zombie and George would figure a way to write it in, um, you know, like a different, you know, unique way of, you know, getting rid of a zombie. I mean, the, some of those scenes are so memorable. Still, people talk about it. Jesus, the, the, you know, the zombies, which were basically like extras, you know, that they just, you know, painted up. Mm. Um and I literally mean painted up. Oh, yeah. You see this. The <laughs> I mean, the effects are not great at all. This is 1978, mm. though. You have to keep that in mind. So, like, the zombies are all literally painted gray, but because of the lighting and everything like that, you know, they come out different hues at different mm. times. Sometimes they're sometimes green. Sometimes they're bluish. Sometimes they forgot to go, all, like, paint up all the way up their sleeves. So, you, <laughs> still, you see, like, a little skin tone there, too. Um, but, yeah, it you know, they, they really, like... You, these extras who played these zombie roles were like making the the convention scene for years. Like I remember being at like multiple like Fangoria like conventions and like seeing the nurse zombies booth, like just off of you know like five seconds of screen time on Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> you know people were wanting her autograph or like there's the machete head zombie who you know, always had a booth at the Fangoria convention. So, I mean, they're like staple scenes. You know, people would have the posters on their wall or, you know, have, you know, the Fangoria magazine, you know, with them on the cover. So, I mean, it really, you know, made an impression, if you will, on fans. Um, but that being said, you know, what makes Romero's zombie movies work? One is like... He came up with the modern idea of what zombies are now today before everything else was about like voodoo zombies. That's the definition mm. of the zombie was, you know, 
from like, you know, voodoo doctors and priests, you know, at the time. Um, you know, what he gave us with Night of the Living Dead was, you know, what we now know as zombies. So, which is, you know, crazy to think like it's such a new concept yes. and I like a character and like, mm. you know, in fiction, um, you know, it's only, you know, it dates back to like the late 60s. So, um, but yeah, so his movies, even though it had the, this monster, you know, in it lurking, always had a strong like social commentary you know, going throughout it, you know, either like racism in America or consumerism or, you know, the zombies were just a vehicle to like talk about like these deeper themes, um, which makes his movies, you know, different and stand out. I feel like a lot of movies nowadays that lose that element. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's, there are a dime a dozen, especially like Mm -hmm. zombie movies in like the nineties and the eighties, you know, that, it was just gore for the sake of gore, you know. Um, you know, really, the true monster in a lot of his movies are the humans, you know. And if you look at what like shows like The Walking Dead have done, it's just Romero, man. It's just mm-hmm. that they just expanded on what Romero was doing. I mean, if you watch, you know, the one of the final scenes in Dawn of the Dead, you know, when they're getting invaded by the, this biker group, I mean. It's just fucking, it's all there. It's, it's all walking dead. (laughs) Just, you know, they, it's like Kirkman saw Dawn of the Dead and he'll admit to this briefly, you know, and he just decided to make this whole universe out of these concepts in this movie. Um, you know, it's all about tribalism. It's all about, you know, all these different, you know, social satires, you know, that, you know, they use the zombie, you know, as a vehicle to tell a deeper story. So, um, a lot of his directorial style, Romero, is very workmanlike. It's more about, like, getting the shot. He doesn't get fancy with shit, you know? Um, you know, he... Yeah, I, I think he went to film school, but he's not what mm-hmm. you typically think of, like, some, you know, film, you know, student, even though he's an indie, you know, guy mm-hmm. at heart. He's very much about, you know, the characters and what they're saying. He's more... I would say he's more in the vein of, like, Kevin Smith. You know, it's not so much about how fancy the shot is and the angles and the lighting. It's more about what the characters are saying to each other and how they're interacting. Um, but it works. It all works and it's up there. Um, you know, the, the characters in Dawn of the Dead were definitely stronger than Night of the Living Dead. Um, you know, th- those characters and you're dealing with like one night, you know, where Dawn of the Dead takes place over months. And it's this, you know... Basically, the theme of the movie, the, the whole story of the movie is you've got, you know, this couple who works at a news station, you know, meeting up with these two SWAT guys. They decided to run away in this helicopter that, you know, this, um, I believe he's like a traffic reporter or something has, you know, they f- come across this mall and they decide basically to hold up there. That's the movie. That's the whole movie. They find this mall, this kind of like, you know you know, plush place to like hang out and survive in. Cause unlike Night of the Living Dead, where at the end of that movie, it seems like they kind of got a handle on the situation. Dawn of the Dead's the opposite. Like they open up that movie and it's the apocalypse. You know, shit has hit the fan, you know, things are going south quickly. So they're on the run, basically. So it basically the movie is them like finding this place 
and then just maintaining this place, you know, dealing with the zombies that are within the place, but just living. And you get these shots where you're watching them kind of going through life and everything um, until, you know, one of them finally kind of has a mental breakdown, Raj, and he like loses it and he ends up getting bit because he gets sloppy mm. um, during one of their runs, like they're moving trucks or something. Um, it's a pretty intense moment, and, you know, it's well acted by everyone. Ken Foray's in this movie. Um, he's the lead, really. Um, and his, just his delivery of lines, um, you know, uh, his performance is so stoic and so heroic at the same time. Like, it just works. He feels like a comic book hero, almost, um, for the lack of a better term. Like, just the way he's kind of portrayed and everything. Um, and Romero's kind of remarked that this is his, like, comic book version of the zombie apocalypse gotcha. and every, the way, you know, he shot mm. it and everything. Um, you know, the color palette and everything he used. Um, to the point where originally it had a very dark ending. Um, Ken Foray's character, um, Peter, I believe. And I always forget their names because they're such boring names. Yes, Peter. Um <laughs> So it's Peter, Raj, Fran, and then uh, Flyboy, who's, uh, God, I believe it's Steve, I believe. Um, they are, yes, Steve. Um, Steven goes down, you know, um, Raj dies. Um, and then it's basically um, Peter and Fran up against this biker gang who's just gotten in. And they actually, the biker gang ends up, you know, basically getting killed off by the zombies. Um, but Peter ends up killing himself, you know, cause they're, you know, just done. They've lost the mulligan and everything and he's at what's end. And then Fran ends up killing herself using the helicopter propellers. She ends up like standing up in the propellers and getting uh. beheaded. Yes. How fucked up would that movie have been? <laughs> and how depressing. Mm. Um, so, but after, like, you know, shooting this movie in the midst of everything and just kind of getting the feel of, you know, the characters and, you know, how it was going, how he felt like, you know, he had this, like, you know, almost action, you know, comic book-esque movie, you know, that he was shooting, he wanted to go with a much lighter ending. So, you know, Ken is, like, Peter is going to mm. off himself. He decides he doesn't want to leave, but then he has a change of heart at the end and, you know, starts drop-kicking zombies out the door <laughs> until he like, jumps into the helicopter with Fran. Yeah, otherwise you would have ended up with, like, the mist at that point. Yes! Yes, right? God, that was a fucked up ending. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, I can't imagine the movie with the original ending. Mm. I mean, that would have been seriously traumatic um even for me as a teenager watching so um but yeah th this movie just like i said for all the reasons you know that i was just falling over the movie this movie just works um it's a movie that i definitely revisit every halloween mm. um you know because i read i believe it was like a week out from halloween when i originally saw this oh. movie and it, it actually that year i ended up going as a zombie because i just was just i fell in love with that <laughs> now, did you go as this type of zombie or did you go as something no i actually went as like a wrestling zombie because okay. i was also i think it was 1998 so mm. i was in the middle of the monday night wars at that time <laughs> but god damn it i love zombies so oh. I, I was a wrestling zombie that year um so but yeah no i i just, it's speaking performances. Steven's performance, and the actor's name is David Imigage? I'm mispronouncing that name completely, but he's Flyboy in the movie. 
he literally has the best performance as a zombie I've ever fucking seen. Has not been topped since. So, um, and I know you're saying you you don't think you've seen the movie all the way through. Definitely not. When you go back, watch the movie. Mm. Obviously, I'm recommending highly. <laughs> but watch his performance as a zombie. The things he does with his body, the way he moves and everything is just fantastic. Seriously, Yuri. And it's because it's, I think part of it's because we lived with the character mm. for, you know, two hours at this point to watch him go through that transformation. The same with Roger's transformation as a zombie. He does this thing where he's laying in bed. He's just waiting to die. It's awful and just dreadful but then you know he does this thing where he does this like slow rise um out of the bed um it, it's just fantastic super fucking creepy um i'm interested to hear your feedback for this movie you know just being from a different generation mm. um this is definitely old hollywood 70s where filmmakers could do whatever the fuck they want <laughs> i mean like i said i love the dawn of the dead remake um, but it's definitely a Hollywood version oh, yes. of this movie. Mm. It still works, um, you know, and I was surprisingly so because I was like, oh, this movie's going to be the shits. But when I saw it, I was really surprised and happy with it. But it still doesn't touch the original to me. You know, it really doesn't. So, I mean, definitely, if, you, if you're if you a fan of Walking Dead, if you're a fan of zombies and you have not seen this movie, what are you doing with mm. your life? Go and see this movie. All right, damn it. So let me take you back to my childhood. <laughs> was it like five years ago? No, no, no. <laughs> not, not that long. <laughs> um, nine-year-old Christian, 2004, got the chance to see Jigsaw in action. I saw Saw. Oh, yeah? In the theaters? No. DVD, at least. Okay. It was at least at home. Okay. I believe I was at home. I don't think it was in the theaters. Oh, God, that would... Be even worse. <laughs> <laughs> I know Final Destination was in the theater. Uh, was this with family or was this with friends? Uh, mom. Mom. Okay. Yeah. Did she know what she was taking you oh, to? Yeah, sure. Okay. Not judging. She wanted to see it. Not judging. Fair well, enough. Okay. Um, but anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. Halloween season has been dominated by the Saw series for quite a while until, of course, Paranormal Activity came to yeah. take its mantle. It was kind of a genre. Was like 2010, 2011? Yeah, around uh, there. Then it became Paranormal Activity. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, it was definitely, October was definitely Saw season, yes. if you will. <laughs> um, it's It's been one of those movies where I, I definitely go to see it for the violence but I, I've learned to enjoy the storyline. Well, the storyline through number three. Then everything else starts to become a little wonky and a little bit too much tie-ins. I, I would argue four is okay. But four is okay, guess, but I everything imp- tying into everything at all times yes. gets a little bit too much. Yes. I was pretty impressed for the first four <laughs> where they could pull off. But yeah, five gets a little questionable. Oh, yeah. yeah. So. The twist is even worse for me. Uh-huh. Well, let's, <laughs> let's we're not talking back. about five, though. We're not right? talking about five. I'm at least going to keep it within the first three because I love the second and third one as well. Okay, just as that's much. fair. Um, but the first one, I think, especially with like budgetary constraints, because they didn't know where this was going at the time. They definitely didn't see this becoming what it became no no Uh, no one did so starting off they started off definitely on a small scale for this film I would say Mm -hmm. you know that's two guys locked in a room what's gonna happen 
Yes, yes. Just a tape player telling them what to do. <laughs> um, it's the story of Jigsaw or John uh, is Kramer. Classic. Kramer, uh, a man uh, who's just kind of had bad luck and is kind of faced with his mortality once he discovers he has cancer. Um, this is after you know his wife losing a child and uh, him getting trying to kill himself uh, after learning that he has cancer, um, and he kind of comes back from that with a new look on life. Um, not one that's beneficial for everyone, but... No. Uh, <laughs> what his mind it is. Yes. <laughs> um, he kind of becomes almost like a Punisher type figure. He, I was going to say, he becomes very much a vigilante mm. in his mind. Uh, if you didn't know anything about the film, you definitely come into this thinking this is just going to be a typical you know, horror dude who's just there to kill and torture everything but well, this becomes a much deeper story especially with the first one because a lot of the mm. marketing around that was just around the fucking puppet billy like mm. you didn't really know where this was going what this was about you i mean definitely at that time you know torture porn you know a, a phrase that i'm not a huge fan of yeah. it definitely became, started becoming a thing but um you know it it definitely kind of left you not guessing like what this movie was going to be about so, um, so yes, the big twist at the end and everything like that. Yeah, spoilers if you haven't. Yes, yes. <laughs> After if you, you haven't know, seen it's been a couple movie. years, but <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely took everyone for mm. by surprise. So, and that is that Jigsaw was in the room the entire time. Yes, he was yes. the old man who was apparently dead in the middle of the room. Uh, fantastic moment. Awesome moment, <laughs> and really kind of set the tone for mm. you know all the sequels. I would say the sequels kind of go off the wall as soon as, like, you know, we have this concept of torture porn, let's blow it up. That's mm-hmm. what the second one and the third one kind of did. But I love the second one for that. Oh, almost. God, yes. I love all the kills in the second one. I love all the tortures and all the plant. Like, even the storyline with the girl, like, you're not knowing that the girl has now dedicated her life to Jigsaw at this point. And the whole concept of him having, like, followers. Yes. You know, that these are people that he's, like, quote-unquote, saved, and that they're, like, now following his mission statement. Um, is a pretty awesome and different idea for that time, mm. you know, something that we haven't seen in, like, the horror genre at that point. So it was a novel idea, um, and I, I thought it worked well, you know. Um, this is by James Wan, who, you know, went on to just you know, really taking over horror yes. for the last, you know, 15 years, if you really think about it. Conjuring, you know, uh, God, one, two, The Nun, you know. Yes. Uh, I mean, Annabelle. pretty much most of the big films that you're seeing right now are James Wan's babies at this point. Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, he's really, you know, been like, you know, the big name in horror the last, like, 15 years. And I mean, not to get too far away from what we're saying, mm-hmm. but I do appreciate that he's gone back and, you know, taken that kind of classic horror approach to things nowadays. Yeah, I mean, think about... and everything. You compare, like, Insidious mm-hmm. and, you know, Saw, and they feel like two very different very. movies. Both very stylized, though, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, his signature's definitely on it, but, you know, my God, I mean, that guy has meant a lot to like the genre mm. you know the last 15 years he's kept it on the map at least or at least in the theaters if you will so um, I give him a lot of credit <laughs> hopefully he saves Aquaman <laughs> <laughs> that's a big 
Yeah. That's a big task here. That's yeah, a lot David. to put on his shoulders, but I think you can do it. <laughs> so, but anyway, anyway. Um, so, is the first one your favorite of the series? I would say the second one is definitely my favorite, but the first one I would say is the best out of all of them, mostly because it doesn't take that off the wall. Everything needs to be dramatic approach to it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's more grounded and it's more personal with the story between these characters. I mean. Um, and what we got out of uh, what's your name, Carrie El um, Elwes in this film is great. Especially, I love him mostly because my favorite, one of my favorite movies of all time is The Princess Bride. Of course, and, <laughs> um, and to see him go from that to then Saw. Well, I mean, there was other movies in between. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure, yeah. But to see like all of these, like you know. Robin Hood in tights, and then him do this type of performance, God, yes, where he's cutting off of his fucking leg. Underrated. Is <laughs> really? Is it underrated? I think it's underrated. I Thank think you. it's a good film. At least. Uh, oh, yeah, no, I, I <laughs> Yes. Many people don't, though. <laughs> Some early Dave Chappelle. Yes. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, um, I really do. Uh, Danny Glover mm-hmm. is in this film. Um, great performance. So, I mean, it really... Doing what he does best. Yes, 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 yes. He's... Too old for this shit. Yes, exactly. <laughs> He's a cop. <laughs> of course. Uh. But a great performance. I felt like his name lent something to the movie, too. Um, just having an actor that caliber up there, you know, I mean... I, I was like... too young to know or care. Oh, really? <laughs> I knew who he was. And it was it, like, what the hell is he doing in this movie? Uh, um, <laughs> But I, I felt like he definitely mm. like lent something to the movie and to the cast, um, you know. So I I thought it was a good performance. But I man, it just what for me always worked with the Saw movies. I always put myself in like the victim's shoes, you know, with the movies. Like, would I, you know, do like would I play the game? Mm-hmm. Like, would I? What would I be willing to do to survive? Yes, you know, and just how horrifying it would be. To be in these scenarios, um, you know, that's what I felt like makes Saw work. Mm. Um, just, you know, putting yourself in, you know, the victim's shoes and, like, what are you willing to do? Like, it's basically a horror movie version of, like, Fear Factor or something, yes. if you really think about it. And I think, I think, like, especially for me, I always get wrapped up into that element that I forget what these characters are have, like, done with their paths, mm-hmm. you know, like why are they here and that always like throws me off all of a sudden where they're like oh yeah i accidentally like raped this well, accidentally. <laughs> i went and raped this person that's why i am here uh, you know, it's, it's those types of scenarios i accidentally put my baby in a microwave yes these yes. horrible horrible scenarios these are not good people mm. he's you know uh you know stalking and, and putting I, through you he know, becomes one trials. of my favorite villains for that reason yeah. Uh-huh. It's almost the same reason why I kind of enjoy, uh, especially from like um, Don't Breathe, I believe it was what it was called, mm-hmm. uh, where you get this guy who, I mean, he's still very much a bad guy, but he has his reasons. He has... Yes, you can kind of see mm-hmm. his like reasoning in a roundabout way. You know, you could... He believes he's the hero of the story. Yes. You know, that's what makes great villains in my book, you know, is a villain who believes, truly believes that they're in the That's why Thanos works. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. Definitely the MCU's version of Thanos. So the the comic book version of Thanos is a death worshipping bastard. (laughs) (laughs) But that's neither here nor there. Um, 
Yes, Jigsaw believes he's right. He believes he's doing these people a service, um, you know, and society a service. And I think that's what works, you know, just like Frank Castle thinks he's right, you know. Um, so, I mean, that that's what's different about mm. Jigsaw. Um, what was... He's not Freddy, you know. Mm. There's, there's a <laughs> reasoning behind everything that he's doing. He's not just a child killer. <laughs> so um, I would love to see Freddy in his mind, though. Oh God, <laughs> fucked up, right? Um, I'm sure they probably kicked that around at some point. Mm-hmm. You know, that'd definitely be a huge money grab. So, but um, but the visuals in this movie, mm-hmm. the traps, how elaborate they get. Um, you know, trying to figure out. You know, it's like a big game of mousetrap. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes. Um, I, I love that. You know, what was your it. reaction when this film came out? Um, I enjoyed it. I think, because at that point, we're at this, like, we were at this weird point where we're getting, like, we're at, like, the dawn of, like, this reemergence of horror. Mm-hmm. So it kind of, it was, it got a, a lot of buzz, and it was making tons of money. Um, but I think I, it kind of got lost in the shuffle for me at first, you know, because there were other movies coming out that I enjoyed more mm. at the time, like uh, Cabin Fever, and I'm trying to think, I don't know if Eli Ross Hostel was out at the, you know, around It was time. around the same time. Um, Like, uh, I think House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects were coming out, mm. but this was definitely, you know, part of that big wave, that resurgence of horror in the early 2000s that happened, because before then, the late 90s, it was like, you know, for lack of a better term, no pun intended, it was dead. Like, there was... Horror genre was on its last legs. Like, Scream, like, squeezed, you know, all the life out of horror genre. Because we were just getting, basically, you know, remakes of Scream, mm. like, every month until, like, the box office would not have it. And the <laughs> film going public was just done. Mm. So, um, you know, this was a, you know, a breath of fresh air, you know. For, um, but... It kind of got lost in the shovel until I saw uh, Saw 2. And then that made me enjoy the first Saw even more, mm. you know, and really got me to revisit that and really just enjoy everything that Juan put up there and just how integral and like in- just his story goes. Um, so, I mean, just all those elements that he pieced together and the screenwriting was just fantastic. Him That's- and his partner, um, Oh, God, what's his name? I always screw up his name. That's what we do on this show. Screw up names. <laughs> Ligel, I believe? Something Australian. <laughs> Something very Australian. Lee Winnell? And he worked with him on um, uh, Insidious. He's actually one of the uh, ghost hunters. Oh, okay. Uh, the yeah, Spex. I know He's Spex. Yes. And he actually went on to direct uh, in, uh, one of the Insidious um, sequels. And, you know, he's kind of gone on to do something. He's actually just been actually um, connected to another film coming out. Um, but uh, I have no... Oh, he did Upgrade this past uh, year. Yes. So that was one of... That was one that was his film. So he did Chapter 3 of Insidious. He also did uh, Chapter 2. Which, if you liked Venom... Upgrade is a better Venom film. Yeah, there you go. I don't know what that's saying, but <laughs> we did not like Venom. <laughs> <laughs> but he's been connected to something mm. else recently, and I don't know what it is. He'll come to me in the middle of the conversation, so don't worry about that. Uh, but uh, yeah, so but 
I don't know. I don't know. What, I mean, how did you feel about, like, his directorial style in, like, his debut, like, with this, you know, movie, with the first movie? I mean, this felt borderline independent. Mm-hmm. Oh, Especially absolutely. if you had, like, I think what makes it bigger is, of course, the detective scenes and the moments outside of the room. Whereas when you focus on just the room, like, this could have been an indie film if you just focused on that room mm-hmm. with them going back and forth and the tape. Yeah, I could see that. Absolutely. But, yeah, like, looking back at it now, as, like, as someone who does film and does work and likes the industry and everything, um, I definitely, I have more of an appreciation for the storytelling, the way it was done. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like that it isn't, like, we're not getting the start of this killer's journey. We're kind of getting this kind of like in between. They don't know who this guy is just yet, but we're starting to figure out, you know, what the jigsaw killer is, what he's been doing to other people, um, and how serious the situation is that these two guys are in this room. Um, whereas I feel the sequels kind of take away from that when we start to learn more and more about his past and we start tying in way too much. It waters it down a little. Yeah, I agree with that. But I do... If I'm just focusing on this film, I think it was very well done the way that it was written. Um, and I like the dark tones throughout it. I um, It feels almost like a noir film when you're watching it. Yeah, I could get that vibe. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Because it does, even like the lighting yes. and everything, it is very dark. Um, but yeah, no, I could definitely, you know, you've got the, the detective following them and everything. Yeah, mm. it, de- it definitely has those tropes in there. So yeah, overall, I really do enjoy it. I still do enjoy it till this day, the mm. first film. Yeah, I haven't watched it in quite a few years, mm. but it's definitely a movie that I wouldn't mind like revisiting, um, you know, sooner than later. Did you see the last um, movie? I've seen them all. You see? Okay, what did yes. you see the last one? <laughs> that just came out last year, right? I was it last year? I thought it was maybe two years ago. Was it two years ago? Okay, I'm not a hundred percent on that, but um. Jigsaw was interesting because it gets you into this idea that maybe he's returned from the dead. It It's clearly, and spoilers for that film, it's... Like turned, in a supernatural way or like he never was dead in the first place? Kind of both. Because I feel like the sequels kind of played with that mm-hmm. a little too. Like, you know... Like, could he be a supernatural figure? But it's just people working for him the entire time. Mm-hmm. But um, it turns out that it's just, um, you know, we're watching stuff from the past play a part in the future. Like, these are all just traps that he never got to use that his apprentices are using. So his, like, disciples are kind of, like... Yes. ...following through his mission statement, mm. basically. To not get too... I'm not spoiling it too much there. But mm-hmm. yes, it is definitely not him doing the killing. Okay. Yeah. He is dead. <laughs> he's gone. <laughs> I mean, how ballsy, though, for the series to be... Mm. Was it three where they killed him off, or four? He dies in three. He dies in three. Yes. To kill off your, like, you know, basically your main character... Mm. You know, in the third movie, but knowing that, I mean, they knew that their, you know, four and five was probably in the works. I mean, they were putting these things out every yes. year. Um, I mean, that's ballsy. I so. mean, they had a deeper story at that point, I guess. They had enough players to make it seem like he was still around, so. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Weigel, which I, I, I'm hoping I'm saying his name right, I mean, he was scripting a lot of it. So, I mean, he must have had a vision for where mm-hmm. it was going. It did feel like it fell off the track a little um, by part six. But, I mean, there definitely was, like, a 
you know, threads that you could follow that mm. made sense continuity wise. Because I was always astonished, like, I didn't see that come. Like, they did this whole thing with, like, a locket and, like, you know, Jigsaw's wife and, you know, yeah. it, it got crazy. But it felt like surprises. It felt like surprises for, like, the mm. sake of surprises at times. But I was like, okay, I, I it was clever at least, you know. Um, there's a great moment where um, this cop that we find out that has been working with him this entire time, he's in, a, he's in a skirmish with one guy who's like trying to kill him at this point, and he throws him in a coffin, and he thinks that's the way to do it, but then the walls start closing in, and it finds out that the coffin has been the safest place to be at this moment. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> that's one of the most brutal deaths in it, too. You watch this guy get smashed completely. <laughs> so I mean and that's really in the later sequels it really mm. becomes more about the traps yes. than anything about the story um, and people might argue that it's been like that for the, yeah. you know, the <laughs> most of the franchise but um, I, man those traps the sick and twisted minds that have to like sit down and mm. like come up with like the most horrible scenarios to put people in I mean it, it's impressive it is impressive <laughs> Like I said, they're like these giant, like gory mouse trap, like scenarios. Hmm. So, um, but yeah, it, it, fun stuff if you're a gore hound. <laughs> I mean, and I'm definitely a gore hound, so I definitely appreciate being able to see this level of gore, like on the big screen hmm. in like you know major theaters. You know, I, it's something that I never dreamed of. As, like, a Fangoria kid in the 80s, like, be able to go to the theater and see that level of gore on the screen. Yes. Um, you know, they were To that really, much of realism as well. Yes, yes. They are really, like, just letting everything fly at that point. Um, you know, I don't know if they would get the... Like, I don't know. Like, how was 6? Like, did it feel... Is this part 6 that came out? Was it 6? Or was it 7? I know it wasn't numbered at that point. I'm, I think it's... Six, but it, no, I'm, I'm, it might be seven. Was the level of gore though, regardless of what number it was, was the level of gore still at the same? Like, was it the same? Like, I I felt it was toned down. But okay, like I think it's more CGI effects, so really? it's not as like because I felt like there was a healthy balance mm, between practical effects and CGI originally. Like they have this weird like tilt a whirl thing that's like slices you all the way down mm-hmm. it's like a fan and then he falls into it and it's very much cgi wow okay so it's like okay that's disappointing because hmm. they were pretty good effects you know even the the, the parts that were cgi you know worked at, at the time so hmm. that's too bad oh hostile came out a year after jigs after saw okay okay so it was definitely cabin fever then hmm. at that time so um but yeah no i i really I don't. Know. I enjoyed. I enjoyed this franchise for the most part. Yes, I definitely say. You know, you're in that mood. You want to see someone get fucked up. <laughs> it's Halloween. Come on. That's right. <laughs> now, does this is this a movie you revisit during the Halloween season? Yeah, either this one or one of them. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I definitely. I mean, even hmm. for me, you know, I mean, God, what there was like a a six-year period where it was, you know, saw, saw exactly. season. So it definitely, you know, <laughs> gets me, you know, nostalgic, you know, for Halloween and the, you know, when I was in my 20s. So um, I definitely, you know, enjoy revisiting these movies. Um, so, but I've got to say three, I think is probably my favorite out of all of them. 
It's really three. good. Three is Three's really good. Really good, man. Those mm. first, I mean, as a trilogy, that's a pretty solid. You know, I think movies. three has the best kills. Yeah, I gotta agree. So I think that's why. I gotta agree. Jigsaw's such a badass character. <laughs> you know, it, you know, from the Billy puppet to you know just you know Toby Bell in the robe to the the, the pig head masks. Mm-hmm. I mean, just visually, just stunning, a stunning character. So I'm surprised more people don't dress up like Jigsaw for Halloween. I don't feel like you see that very often. No. I feel like that would be a really popular mask and a very easy one. Oh, that's a super easy do. costume, especially if you did the pig mask costume. It's yeah. Just pig mask robe. I've seen the Billy, like people doing the Billy puppet, but I haven't seen the like the pig mm. mask because I would definitely go pig mask all the way. So, but it's great that that even has a tie-in though to the actual story. It's not just like something he picked out. Yes, yes, <laughs> like, they left no stone no. unturned in this movie. So, I'm not surprised. But all right, man. So that's your pick for this week. Yes, that means that we're down to one next week. What could it be? I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So moving on. Now accessing comics. All right, so we are back with another week of comics to talk about. Uh, this week I'm going to start off with The Witching Hour Part 3. We're in the middle of this kind of a mini magic event? event. Mini event, I guess is a good way to say it. Mm-hmm. Um, so The Witching Hour Part 3, everything. The Justice League Dark thought they knew about Wonder Woman and Hikate uh, has proven to be wrong. And the Parliament of Trees is about to pay the price. Hikate knows this world isn't strong enough to resist the other kind, so she's going to burn it down and replace it with a world of her own, starting with the ancient grove. Uh, Okay, fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm going to keep this one pretty simple. Um, We have them kind of... They go to Nanopardat to um, face... uh, off one of the witch marked um, that are pretty much destroying everything and now part of it, which is like this magical realm like it connects um, mankind to this realm of life and death type of situation okay. I don't know if you know much about now part of it no I don't. It, it's actually been a big place in the past okay but um yeah so Hikate is pretty much destroying this with her witch mark there and um, they're about to kill this goddess that um, guards the gate. And then Wonder Woman shows up and blocks it, of course. Of course. Because um, it's Wonder Woman. She's full-powered with um, Hikate's magic and everything. Does she um, visually change when she's full-powered? Yes. She's completely glowing. Okay. The entire time. All right. So nothing else, though. She's not... She's glowing. She's got the mark on her head, like, okay. glowing extremely. Like, it looks cool. Don't get me wrong. Not it a looks... different like costume or anything. Like no, that. it's still her costume. Okay. Um, Hikate is just like, what are you? What are you doing? You're using my magic, and you're you're pretty. I control you. So basically, what it happens. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> like this is you have a part of my soul inside you. What is your plan here? Pretty much. Uh, she's just like, how dare you for using my magic against me? And she just says, submit. And eventually, Wonder Woman turns to the dark side. Oh, well. Okay. Um, you have the team um, splitting up because uh, before this, you know, they're like Wonder Woman and this goddess and Hikate are all fighting at this point. Um, and Bobo uh, has this sword that uh, he's just been carrying around and he didn't know much about. And um, 
Zatanna's like, well, you've got this sword. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I do. Why don't you use it, you stupid monkey? (laughs) (laughs) And it turns out it's a sword that can rip holes to other dimensions. So um, half the team teleports out. Did he know this at the time? It doesn't seem like he actually knew this. Okay. Um, How did he get the sword? I I don't know if it was while he was in um, Dr. Fate's room or if he's just had it this whole time. Okay. Um, I feel like he took it from uh, Mr. Fate or Dr. Fate. Like his realm or something? Yeah. He has this special room that they were in before. Um, And someone calls him the Night Master because he's holding it. So I'm assuming down the road we're going to get this Bobo the Nightmaster storyline in Justice League Dark, based off of what I've seen from solicitations. Bobo the Nightmaster. Yes. <laughs> Sounds like a metal band. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. Um, and by the end we have Zatanna and um, Constantine uh, about to face off with uh, evil Wonder Woman, which now she's all grayed out looking. It's very like kind of like zombie-ish. Okay. How do you feel like that plays visually? Visually, I mean, everything looks great in this book. I think the art is really well done throughout okay. this so far. Um, do you know the artist offhand? Uh, it's right here. It's uh, Raul Fernandez and Alvaro Martinez. Has it been the same listed? art team like the for each Well, book? no, because um, they're switching titles. Oh, okay. So it's like one is Wonder Woman. Well, I was wondering, like, sometimes they Wonder will, Woman. like, have them, like, mm. you know, just... Like, the Wonder work. Woman books are clearly still the same Wonder Woman. Artists. Okay. Artists, all right. Um, is that jarring at all? Do you have the different art? At first it was. Um, the Wonder Woman art is a little bit more, kind of like, has a rustic, uh, classic feel to it. Okay. I would say, whereas this has a very modernized... You know, I feel like the big two, they don't pay enough attention to that when they do these crossovers. Mm-hmm. You know, like sometimes some artist styles just don't mesh well together and I feel like it can be jarring, you know, to the story. You know, when you're, you've are you got a story being told like across a couple books, mm-hmm. like chapter-wise, where you go from like this very like realistic kind of like tone with the art to like almost this like, you know, pseudo-cartoonish yes. um, look. Um, it, it could throw you off. You know, especially if you're not reading the other mm. books and you're not used to that style at the time, so that always, you know, I don't know, gets me, you know, as a comic book fan. So, and you better be reading all the other books if you want to know what's going on in this. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like right it, now. yeah. Um, it's this is definitely a middle issue. Like it was kind of like it's got to be their Empire Strikes Back, you know, where something bad happens in the end. It's not going to be their second act. Yeah. Okay. So that's where we are. Um, I don't have too many high hopes for this now at this point. Oh, really? I started off definitely on a higher like viewing of it because it felt really cool. A lot of the elements that they were doing were really awesome. Do you feel like it's predictable now? Yes. You now it feels like, going. okay, I'm by the end of this, she's not going to have any powers. Uh, it's going to be just a wash. And I feel like um, the whole reason they're doing the whole book where it says Wonder Woman Justice League is because Wonder Woman is probably going to leave that team. The Justice League Dark Team by the end of this, probably. Yeah, I would think. Hmm. I, I actually assumed she was already technically the de facto like leader, you know, at this point. Yeah, so, so. I mean, that makes sense. And it helps get Justice League Dark over, hmm. you know, more, you know, to with the mainstream audience. So it makes sense for DC. And it sounds like they've got a story at least to tell, you know, where it makes sense for her to be there. So I get it. But yeah. All right. Moving on, we are talking Astonishing X-Men. 
Number 16. Havoc the leader of the Reavers? What circumstances have led to Havoc to side with the bad guys once more? And will it stick this time? That is bullshit that you get such a short one. <laughs> I'll, I'll read the next one if you want, Christian. That's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, good book. I enjoyed it. I think there's a... I feel like for a lot of people there might be a little bit too much comedy throughout these, but I'm 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 sitting right there. I'm enjoying it, but I at the same time I like the West Coast Avengers. So <laughs> who am I to say? That's right. You do like the West Coast Avengers. <laughs> so screw your opinion, Christian, because that shit sucks. Now, um, I enjoyed the book. There is a lot of comedy. I don't like how they're painting Havoc as this just like ultimate loser character. I feel like that's not really been him historically. At least from the last time I read him, was was back with, uh, was it Uncanny Avengers? Was that the yes. time they were Yes. This is definitely a completely different character. Yes, absolutely. Point. It does not feel like the same character at all. Um, and he has made some bad choices in his past, and they're mm-hmm. really playing that up. But I feel like it's not at this level. But at the same time, it works for this book. You know, the same way that they're playing, you know, um, just the way Rosenberg's, like, writing uh, Dazzler. I feel like it's the same thing where, Mm -hmm. you know, he's really, like, playing up, you know, these other qualities, accentuating these other qualities in the character and kind of downgrading (laughs) the character for laughs. Um, But it, it is working though i will say that you know i feel like dazzlers you know even though as ridiculous as it sounds has been taken up much more seriously mm. the past like you know decade um even though she kind of gets like forgotten about here and there um her arcs have all been pretty serious so for have her for having her be this like washed out you know former rock star trying to like grip to some sort of, you know, fame that she had, you know, decades ago just feels kind of like, I don't know, off track, um, continuity wise. Mm-hmm. But I enjoy the the humor in this. You know, it's not over the top like West Coast Avengers, if you will. Um, I felt like the story's at least been interesting. I'm a I'm a sucker for the Reavers. I've, I think I've said it in the past. Um they're, they were in the first X-Men books that I ever picked up. And Dazzler and Havoc were actually part of the X-Men at the time. Mm. So it is nostalgic for me to see these characters interacting. Um, but it's been a fun story. You know, um, the fact that he kind of just throws himself, you know, to the Reavers to, you know, help out his friends, you know, shows, you know, his loyalty to the team and to these other characters and his true heart. And that's basically how this book opens is with, you know, him walking into like the Reavers headquarters and, you know, say, Hey, I've got this thing in my head that you guys really want. Go ahead and take it out. Let's, you know, go and free our friends. Cause mm-hmm. the Reavers are kind of in the same predicament that the X-Men are at, at this point where, you know, you know, their comrades are also, you know, being captive, held captive by It's been this good three-way dance between these three different groups. Yes, yes. I feel like the one organization, like, they feel like the faceless villain Hmm. at this point, you know? Um, But, I mean, I I get it. Um, What did you think about what their whole master plan is? Like... 
It was a little circumstantial. Yeah. Like, I don't know how they would have achieved it if Havoc didn't come around at this point. Yes, and basically give it to them. Mm. <laughs> Which is hilarious. And, you know, it just, once again, it's Havoc just not really be able to win. Um, you know, he basically has them take out this, is it a formula? What Like, some information that's in his head. Some type of AI. To help, yes, basically... Mm. I don't know if it's instructions or whatever to, you know, help build this like different level of Sentinel that, you know, can take over any kind of AI or allow you to take over any kind of AI, you know, you mm-hmm. could ever fathom. Um, so it's like an upgrade for the Sentinels. Um, and that's what the one is like looking for, you know, this organization. I don't know how they really tie into the government. It feels like there's some kind of like, you know, offshoot of the mm. government. That's not really explained. It definitely doesn't feel like they're working with S.H.I.E.L.D. or anything like that. Yeah. So, um, but whatever. I mean, it works story-wise. Um, you know, I thought the ending where, you know, they basically free everyone had some great moments in it. Um, but I, I really enjoyed the visual of, like, the Reaver, like, on top of the Senatal and basically taking control of it. And, now, you know, the X-Men are kind of, you know, shit out of luck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then we're realizing, and that's kind of how we ended the book. So it it doesn't feel like a huge threat. It feels like they're going to easily, you know, mm-hmm. conquer this. I mean, they've got Beast on the team and Banshee's on the way. Um, I feel I'm, like he'll have a funny entrance and somehow. Yes, yes. Or they'll show him getting he's, stuck on a door or something. I, I definitely feel like he's saving the day at page two of this too <laughs> so um i don't know i don't know I, I i like the team and i like the chemistry and i would love to see where this team is going i just don't know how these astonishing x-men books are working like i don't know how long rosenberg's like arc is going to be well i know this arc at least is concluding next yes issue. but i don't know if like he's because i mean mm. souls had two arcs pretty yeah. much so i don't know if rosenberg's getting two arcs out of this um you know i i it feels like they're just kind of like giving it to every you know different writers every like six months or so and let them tell their own story it feels very much like um x-men unlimited which was a book that ran in like the late 90s where just kind of like random x-men stories <laughs> Um, you know, where we followed different X characters, there was not really much of a continuity. It was just like, okay, well, you got an X-Men story to tell? Go ahead, tell it here. Um, that's what I feel like I'm getting out of this book right now, which is fine. I mean, I definitely want to see more of this team, though. You know, I'm hoping it's not just like, you know, an arc or two run. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. That's just me. But, I... <sighs> I don't know. I want to see Havoc have <laughs> some, like, a, a big redeeming moment, too. Because mm. I really, you know, even though they're playing for laughs and it's working, I feel like they're not doing him any justice whatsoever. I, I don't see it happening, though, in the next issue. Yeah. Oh, not the next issue. No, no. I mean, if they stick with this team, mm. you know, somewhere down the line, you know, especially Dazzler. They're just killing poor Dazzler right now. So, um, they really make that, like, everyone feels a little incompetent except for, like, Warpath mm. on this team. Even the and moment I love that fastball. Yes. <laughs> yes. Which I have to look into Warpath's power set because he goes, I can fly. I was like, 
can Warpath... I don't remember Warpath being able to fly. Maybe it's a new power that he's developed or just something he doesn't use that often. So it was a little strange. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, that, that makes me want to jump on Wikipedia right away. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the nerd in me, though. Mm. Um, but, yeah, overall, I enjoyed this book. I think I enjoyed this book more this issue than I did last. So, um, you know, so I'm going to keep on reading it. I guess we we got lots of big changes happening with the X verse right now mm. though too, so we'll see where that leaves this exactly. left after team. extermination and um, the whole uncanny X Men one coming out mm. where you got disassembled happening that whole story arc. I don't know what this team is going to look like, you know, or this book is this book still going on after that? So I don't know. All right, uh, next we have Justice League number 10. I'm going to give that one to Damon since I'm going to read the Shuri one after that. All right. Oh, we're doing Shuri. <laughs> I forgot we're going to do Shuri. Okay. That is an audible. All right. So, the road to drowned Earth. When Wonder Woman learns that Cheetah gained new powers and killed the Greek sea god Poseidon, that sets Aquaman off on the search for answers, bringing him into conflict with an entity known as the Flood, uh, the herald for long-dead ocean gods with an ancient grudge against Poseidon, Atlantis, and, well, everyone else on Earth. Who are those guys? Some very big fish, and you know what big fish do. Eat smaller fish like Aquaman and his Justice League buddies. That was painful. <laughs> Why? I know, I know. We need to just stop reading the DC blurbs. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, I mean... The Flood? Who's the, who's the Flood in this book? Is it one of the characters that they run to at the end? Entity known as the Flood? Unless that's the... The Kraken? Kraken? The Space Kraken? I mean, he is bringing down water. I guess. They don't really name them, though, right? They're just like... They literally call him the Space Kraken at one point, right? (laughs) Looks like a Kraken. A Space Kraken. (laughs) It's like, okay, Snyder. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, we're 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 approaching a new DC event um, called Drowned Earth. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's... It's stuck in that same type of... I mean, at least No Justice had some redeemable parts to it. This feels just like, hey, I love all this Aquaman and random space shit. Let's just throw it all in. Or, A, an Aquaman movie is about to come out in a month, so we better have a bunch of books with fucking Aquaman as the main character Mm -hmm. to make it seem really important. Um... That being said, I felt like it was an enjoyable read until I thought about it, and then I was trying to piece together what the <laughs> hell happened, <laughs> and I couldn't. Oh. Um, you've got Aquaman and Wonder Woman looking for Poseidon, even though he's dead, and I guess their reasoning is because he might be in someone else's body, but then they're looking for some magical key to the graveyard of the gods. Yes. Is this all right? And then they're using these ships in bottles for some reason. And that is not explained. I do not, I do under, not yes. know what that's about. Yes. And there's a couple other tie-ins that are happening at this time, which I did not realize how big of an event this whole mm-hmm. drowned Earth thing was going to be. Um, so maybe we missed something. Um, but yeah. So they come upon this uh, key, and then um, all of a sudden there is a space kraken 
Um, and if it touches you, if any of the water gets on you, you become a mer person, yes. and that happens to poor Firestorm, who happens to be there for some Fish reason. on the top side. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. This was a lot, once again, to, like, jump into. I didn't feel like there was tons of exposition this time, though. Um, there was a lot more action happening, which I'm fine with. So I, it made for an, more of an enjoyable read, but it's still like, what, like I said, once I sat down and thought about it and mm. tried to really digest exactly what was going on in this book, I kind of started getting lost. Um, they know that there was a beacon shot off. They're looking also, there's an, another team. I think it's, who is it? Superman and... God, who else is with them? Oh, Flash. Adam Strange versus... Yes, yes. Adam Strange is with them. I like that they're just, like, using random mm. members of the Justice League, you know, or past members of the Justice League. It almost feels very much like Justice League Unlimited, like the cartoon, mm. where you you get the core team, but then you never know who else is going to show up. So this issue, you've got Firestorm, and you've got Adam Strange, who just happens to be there, so... Um, which, I, whatever, that's cool. Batman's um, in a wheelchair still. Batman, still, yes, he's playing the bad. part of Oracle, as you pointed out. Uh, um, but yeah, like they, they, while they're looking for the Legion of Doom's hideout, they realize that there was a beacon shut off, and they don't know exactly what for mm-hmm. or what's going on. But apparently this beacon was to these ocean gods, um, so they can, you know, find their way back to Earth. And, you know, lo and behold, they unleash the Kraken and uh, they're about to invade. Um, Aquaman goes through the Kraken, I believe, and is like transported to this other dimension. Yes, I guess, where he's confronted by these ocean gods. And they basically like at first he thinks it's a good thing that they're there to help Mm. Um, Because they're talking about this other character who's, like, the greatest Atlantean-like hero of all time. I can't think of his name off the top of his head. I've never even... Aeon or Aeon? Aeon? Aeon or something, something maybe? Yeah, maybe. But I've never heard of the guy. But, like, he's talking about him like he's, like, the Atlantean-like Superman, if you will. Where he's just, you know, like, almost more myth than man Mm. at this point. Um so wonder woman's heard of him yes wonder woman's even heard of them and everything and seems impressed <laughs> by him so uh i guess he did something where he was trying to explore other planets oceans but in doing so he brought down these like ocean gods upon earth and there was mm-hmm. a great battle till he finally like fought them off and now they're back so Aquaman's in deep shit and the whole earth is about to drown. And there you see the earth literally, you know, going underwater and like people turning into these mer creatures, um, which feels very easily undone. Mm. You know, you know, it would have been uh, obviously more of a threat if these people were just drowning. But yeah. <laughs> uh, I get it. You know, it is just, what it they is. can't kill everyone off. Yes, yes. Um, But yes, so just the poor DC universe, though. Jesus Christ. They've just been going through hell lately. They lost the moon for a little while. Yeah, they lost the moon. 
They were like with metal. They were you know invaded by this dark reality. Yes. They're all like this is all happening in a very short period of yes, time. Yes, these people are serious, seriously traumatized. <laughs> so fuck you, Laurie Strode. <laughs> <laughs> Good callback. Good callback. Uh-huh. Some of your friends get killed by some knife-wielding maniac, and yes. you go all crazy for four years. Fucking the DC Universe. Jesus Christ. That's like a good weekend for them mm. at this point. Like a mountain just destroys your whole town yes. out of nowhere. <laughs> That's just called Wednesday in DC. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I guess this book was okay. <laughs> We'll see where it goes, man. I just want Snyder to let us breathe a little. <laughs> That's not possible. Yeah, I guess not. Like, I feel like it's just epic event after epic event. He's drowning us in it. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Cue the rim shot. Ooh. All right, where are we going? Uh, well, we're talking about Shuri, because you brought it up earlier. Is it Shuri or is it Suri? I've always said Shuri. I don't know. I say just like really quickly, Shuri. Sorry, uh, sorry. So you think if you say quicker, it, it sounds makes it closer. right? I don't know. People will ignore it and move on. <laughs> Not me, Christian. <laughs> Not you. So yeah, I call her Shuri. I don't know. Okay, we'll go with it. Yeah, it's, Google agrees with you. It's up to interpretation. You know? I, probably not. <laughs> Pretty sure it's on film. <laughs> hey, so, uh, but that's fine. Wait, they mess stuff up on film all the time. <laughs> It's their character, man. <laughs> if you can say Han and Han, then it's just like... You can't. It's Han. <laughs> Tell that to Billy D. Williams. Anyway. <laughs> Alright. Following in the footsteps of the Black Panther, the world fell in love with her and the movie. Now, the Black Panther's techno-genius sister launches her own adventures. Written by best-selling Afrofuturist author... God, I cannot say that name. Um, I apologize. Nnedi Okorafor. Well, that's painful. It's, I mean, I deal with, I have an African last name, so I understand. Um, (laughs) I I sympathize with you. (laughs) And drawn by Eisner, uh, nominated artist Leonardo Romero. Romero? Um, the Black Panther has disappeared, lost in a mission in space, and his absence, everyone looking at... Oh, wait, sorry. I said that right? Lost on a mission in space, and in his absence, everyone's looking at the next line for the throne. But Shuri is happiest in a lab, surrounded by gadgets of her own creation. She'd rather be testing gauntlets than throwing them. Uh, But a nation without a leader is a vulnerable one. So this is kind of an interesting story. Um, you know, they kind of, they start off, and I, the way they started off, I felt like this book was going to be more of a, like, quick shoot real fast. Mm-hmm. But um, it goes quickly into, like, all of her dealings, what she's had to deal with, um, being the sister to T'Challa at this point, um, having taken up the Black Panther mantle herself, dying, basically being reincarnated by her ancestors um, with all their wisdom, and uh, being able to turn into birds. And that's what you were talking about before when yes. we were talking about the character in um, Avengers 4. Mm. Okay. So, like... Um, Is this an ongoing? I believe so. Okay. I oh, hope she so. deserves it's, an ongoing. It's been... This was very... I would say this book was phenomenal. 
Okay. I was very impressed. I wasn't expecting to get all this, especially within the first few pages. I felt like, oh, we're going, it's just going to rent, go through this real fast. It's probably just like a payoff for the character being in the movie. But I thought they really paid attention to her past in Marvel. And okay. they really went into the... So you thought it was going to be kind of like a quick like money grab, mm-hmm. you know, a nice little tie-in. We see that she's been talking to someone online about her troubles and everything. Um, Wakanda's kind of in this place where they're trying to send people to space right now. Uh, they're It's the first time they're ever sending anyone out of outer space. Um, it, it's Apparently it's a secret mission, so we don't really know what T'Challa is really up to. Why he's going out to space? Um, he mm-hmm. hasn't. He isn't even telling Shuri for the full reason, but they're just playing it off as you know, it's Wakanda's first travel into space. Um, so she sends uh, T'Challa pretty much up into a wormhole, and that's it. We don't know where he's at. He's supposed to have returned by now. It's been hasn't. two weeks, and he hasn't. Um, she's been spending her time uh, just creating new gadgets. Um, we see her fly out this window with brand new wings for um, T'Challa when he runs back. Some pretty cool like nanotechnology where they'll just pop up almost like they're um, angels' wings. Wow, how's the art in this? Um, the art isn't amazing. Okay, I'll say uh, it isn't bad. Okay. Uh, but like when I looked at the cover, I thought definitely I was going to get something a little bit more out okay. of it. The cover is beautiful, um, but the rest of the book is it's. It's middling, I would say. Uh, not okay. too upset by it. I know it's Eisner nominated artist, but uh, not to not to take down your work a little bit. But I'm, just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't give a shit what yeah. we think. But... <laughs> <laughs> um, it just didn't do it for you. No, it was mostly about the writing. Um, we get uh, Shuri's mother and um, a council of just women that have been brought together from different um, clans, different places within Wakanda. Coming together as a just secret group behind um, all the public leaders uh, to decide what to do now that um, T'Challa's gone missing. Oh, okay. So it's kind of like something that they've been doing in the past, but they hadn't been doing for a long time because um, the Black Panther has been uh, in firm rule for a while. Okay. So, so this is like a group of women who mm-hmm. are kind of like pulling the strings in like behind the scenes? Almost. Like, um, it's the first time they've met. So they have a Koi who is apparently the... I didn't know this. Um, I haven't been reading any of the other Black Panther lines. Okay. But a Koi is the only... Um, I'm just going to say soldier that is still loyal to the crown. Okay. Which I thought is interesting. I don't know what happened to the rest of them. Why they're not still yeah. loyal no, to I them. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I did not. Um... But Maybe it has she, something to do with the arc with like Namor and uh, Black perhaps. Panther. Um, That's curious. But yeah, yeah. Uh, they sent a Koi out to just find uh, women to be a part of this group. And they're from like one's like young street vendor, one's a wealthy family. So it's just kind of like different representations um, of Wakanda coming together and deciding what to do with leadership. And I think that was very interesting. Um, yeah. And they put together that they want Shuri to take up the mantle Black Panther, and that's where we kind of leave it off. Does she have to go through the trials to get the leadership? Because I know she's been the, the like mm. she's filled in that role before. They did not say. I don't know if it was like in an unofficial capacity, but she has you know worn the Black Panther mm. mantle, you know, in the past. So they I did not say if she would have to face any trials yet, but they definitely showed her being the next leader of Wakanda. Okay. At this point. Okay. 
Um, and we don't know where this book fits in time-wise with like yeah, the Avengers. Yeah, time-wise with the Avengers and everything. I'm going to have to assume it's a little bit f- further than where the Avengers are. Especially since we see Black Panther's dealing with everything that's going on with the Avengers. Yeah, yeah. That's, I like the concept of this like almost like Illuminati group, you know, mm. kind of really pulling the strings, you know, Wakanda, you know, all the, you know, different female characters and everything. So is Okoye part of that group or is she just working for them? I think she's just working for okay. them. She didn't have a voice in it. Okay. All right. All right. Um, well, I'm going to definitely check out that book because mm. I was curious about it. I did not realize it was released last week. It's a quick read, so it's not too long. But, okay. You know, you're definitely getting into her character more. That's awesome. Mm. That's awesome. And it's deservingly so. So it's a great character. So what I've read of her and what we've seen on film. So it's cool that they're finally giving her her own book. I hope it's an ongoing you know, like I said before, I would love to see her pick up that mantle. Mm. And, you know, Avengers 4, I think that would be fucking badass. What I'm hoping with this is I hope they're not going to erase too much of what's happened in her life and kind of, like, refresh it. Because, like, um, even with, like, her saying, you know, I'm hearing the, wi- um, the wise voices less and less nowadays. I'm like, please, hold on to all that. I want to know how this affects you as a character and everything. Yeah, you don't need to write to the movies. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like Marvel does that a lot when they, you know, they want to make sure that the character matches, you know, um, what's going on on the big screen. I feel like sometimes, you know, fuck Hollywood. Do your own thing. <laughs> you know, Hollywood mm-hmm. should be really following your lead exactly. at this point. You know, and obviously they are for the most part. So just do your own thing and, you know, if the movies match up with you, they match up with you. If not, you know, it's probably better off. Let writers, you know, dictate their own, you know, art. So, exactly. you know, and I feel like Shuri's just, you know, right for the picking at this point. So there, there's got to be lots of good stories to tell with that character. Um, you know, things that we haven't seen in the past from Marvel. Hmm. You know, the lack of, you know, female characters in Marvel, you know. Up to this, really, this past, like, five years have been astounding. So, I'm glad that they're finally starting to catch up. Alright, that's going to do it for comics this week. Let's move on to the squared circle. Hey everybody, it's Drew. And Nathan. And we're coming to you from the Real Feels Podcast. Hey Nathan, do you like movies? I love movies. Do you like talking about movies? I could talk about movies for a while. Hey, you know what? That's pretty great because we're on every other Wednesday and we're going to bring a new movie to all of these fans. All 400,000 of them. 400,000. We're going to divide that by about 400,000. And <laughs> how about how about some new movies, Nathan? Ooh, some classics. And uh, maybe some childhood favorites. And we can't forget the guilty pleasures. I love some guilty pleasures. You know what, with these movies, I think we should talk about some of our favorite scenes. By far our favorite quotes. I'm definitely. And you know what, anything else that basically just pops into our head. I like it. How about you guys meet us here, like I said, every other Wednesday, same bat time, same bat channel, on your favorite podcasting apps. iTunes, Podbean, and hey, don't forget us on social media. Look for us on Facebook and Twitter. The Real Feels Podcast. Hey, I hear it's the realest. Now accessing wrestling. All right. Well, we've had a lot of news wrestling wise uh, this past week. Um, first, over uh, last weekend, we had all this rumbling of a possible new wrestling organization 
uh, taking form, um, led by Jim Ross, Chris Jericho, and possibly some of the elite. Yes. Um, that hit pretty hard, I think it was last Friday. Um, there's been kind of rumor killers since then. Um, well, even though the, the speculation, I guess, was over Twitter following. Yeah, which is bizarre. Yes. Because it really, that news, I mean, even though it sounds like the sources were like baseless, it, it, it just had a life of its own. Mm-hmm. Like people, I think people wanted to believe it more than anything. It, it still might be happening, mm. but it sounds like everyone's kind of, you know, downplaying it. Um, Jericho released a tweet, you know, kind of laughing it off. Um, but that actually made me believe it even more. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's definitely what we were talking about last episode, yeah. though. Where like, <laughs> you know, it it really is prime for another organization to like kind of come into like you know the picture at this point with how big you know the independent scene has been getting and these other organizations. I'm surprised. Um, that there hasn't been something, you know, mm. out there yet, something different. Because I know just there's so many different channels now and so many different, like, media outlets that are starving for content. And wrestling is just the perfect fix for that, um, you know, and just with how hot it is and, you know, the names that were kind of attached and that are available, you know, especially coming January 1st, you know, why not? I mean, they were talking pretty much everyone but Kenny from the, um, the Elite to this point. Yes, 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 which makes sense. And, and I, as I, we've seen, they can run a show. Yes, <laughs> so. and I mean, that's really a great pilot episode for them, mm-hmm. if you want to look at it that way. Like, hey, look what we can do, you know, just on our own, with no backing whatsoever. Imagine what we could do with your money. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you get someone like Jim Ross behind it. You get someone like Jericho, you know, two like big, you know, creative influences in the business right now. Um, I don't. It does make sense for some, you know, billionaire to, you know, hey, I'll throw you some pocket change. Mm-hmm. Let's see what you can do. You know, um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised if if this isn't true. If something like this happens in the future. Oh, what if this story could even start that process? Yes. Like they, they didn't think of it at the time, but now they're like, oh, well, I could do this. I wouldn't put it past Jericho leaking it himself, <laughs> yeah. honestly, you know, just to kind of get, like, talks happening mm. and get people thinking. So, and Jericho's been kind of a big proponent of, like, this being, like, you know, a different stage of the industry, and now sky's the limit, um, you know, just with the amount of money, you know, being thrown around out there, you know, he, he's been really talking up the fact that, you know, the ball's really in, like, the wrestler's court now. Mm. Um, so we'll, we'll obviously see what happens, you know, what comes of all this. But uh, that being said, uh, man, we got some really awful news right off the bat. Um, you know, regardless of how we feel, you know, he's been booked you know, the past, like, four or five years. Mm. Um, Roman Reigns, you know, started off the show on a huge down note. So he had to relinquish the belt because he's now battling uh, leukemia, which I guess he has had for the past 11 years, years, you said. Um, It was in remission. 
Um, I didn't know any of this. I don't know if this was common knowledge. Mm-hmm. He said that he developed it when he was, I guess, like just out of football before wrestling. And, you know, he beat it. It was the hardest battle of his life. But now, I mean, it's back, which is just, I mean, just horrible, horrible news. So, um, you know, I mean, he made a very, like, passionate speech. And, you know... I was glad that the fans were all respectful. Mm-hmm. You know, I was terrified during that whole speech that some idiot would fucking say something stupid. And I'm sure there probably was. Hopefully, <laughs> WWE, you know, was able to, like, tone down the crowd. But it, it seemed like they were all very respectful. But it, like, took the air out of the arena very quickly. Um, so, it, you know, it's just horrible that it's, you know these circumstances that you know is you know causing him to have to walk away from wrestling for a while mm-hmm. i know like a month ago people would be loving the idea of like roman reigns like you know relinquishing the title but not like this yeah it's, you don't want to see this i mean the man has There's... a family he's a person <laughs> exactly you know um you know it's not his fault the way God, he's no. been booked and i still believe he can wrestle mm-hmm. so um it's just sad. It really is. And hopefully he, you know, beats it again and he's back. So, um, just horrible, horrible news. So, um, but because of this, Raw was all over the place. Um, we got a reshuffling of the deck, if you will. Um, you know, and it makes sense. And they had to do it quickly mm. with, you know, all the events coming up. But uh, we got an Elias face turn. Out of nowhere, it felt like, um, you know, he kind of came at odds with Baron Corbin. Um, Elias beat Apollo Crews, um, who I it looked like they were going to have a program together. Apollo Crews came out last week. I believe he actually uh, got the win over Elias. So I thought maybe there was actually a program developing here. Mm. But then he beat Apollo Crews and then he was on the stage uh, again after the break about to like play his concert. Baron interrupted him and, you know, Elias hit him over the head with his guitar because of it. Um, it was a nice little moment. Um, he's going to be huge, man. He really is. Yes. The fans have just been waiting for this. They're already cheering him. <laughs> um, you know, I'm surprised he doesn't wrestle like as much as he, sh- I feel like he should be. Mm. Like, I feel like he's been kind of aimless this past like couple months. Um, it's but weird. so is most of the card. Yeah, but like I feel like he's never in the ring, <laughs> you know, except playing his guitar mm. for little segments, like like transition segments. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I I'm kind of excited to see where they go with it. Um, but yeah, so it looks like he's going to be definitely working a program with Baron Corbin. Mm. So, uh, we had more Ronda and the Bellas going on. We had a contract signing. Um, Ronda promised that she wouldn't lay a hand on them. They took advantage, talking that shit on the ring, talking about Rhonda's mother being disappointed at her. They actually, Nikki actually slapped her across the face. Um, you know, just kind of getting you geared up for, you know, evolution. Yes. Um, speaking of which, that's all they did really was that we got a, like a, a tag match or no, not a tag match. You got a Ruby versus um, uh, Sasha and that's gearing up towards a mm-hmm. tag match at Evolution, a, a six-man, which, uh, a six-woman, if you will, uh, with uh, 
Ruby, the Riot Squad versus Sasha Banks, Bailey, and uh, Natty. Feels very thrown together. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I feel like we've seen that match too, at least three or four times. I know the Battle Royal stuff has been eh as well. Yeah. I mean, they announced that it's going to be for a title shot. I mean, we'll talk more. We'll preview the card at the end of the recap, but it's been lackluster Mm. to say the least. And it's very disappointing. Um, It just feels like they have too much on their plate right now. Um, And it, I don't know if they just feel like an all-women's pay-per-view is going to sell itself, but they really didn't put too much creatively behind this card. Um, the other pay-per-view, uh, they have officially taken the location off on the site. Oh, was that just today? I know was they had no on it. So, uh, Crown Jewel, <laughs> everything that's been going around swirling, all the controversy around that pay-per-view... Um, People are saying that hopefully today we get a, an announcement because it is literally supposed to be taking place not this weekend, next weekend. So, um, is it the next weekend? Yeah, oh wow, yeah, I believe so. I think it's Friday, I think it's next, not this Friday, next Friday. So, time's running out. Um, uh, they the past that. week they have not said the words Saudi Arabia like they have not said where it's taking place at all they've just been calling it crown jewel they're booking towards it but they're not saying where it's taking place at all so I'm not surprised that they dropped it from the actual website that so that just happened today yes okay all right well hopefully that's a good sign that they're actually moving it yes and we can cover it but they should just move it to the Sunday if it's going to be in the states or something <laughs> Give it a couple days for people to buy tickets. I guess. I mean, they've got enough money, though. They'll be all right. All right. So, but hey, <laughs> I'm not Vince. So, um, but yeah, that, that well, hopefully that's good news. Um, Braun is apparently a face now after everything that happened last week. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it really equates to him being a face, but they just decided we need a face. Yep, it's Braun. Um, it's going to be. Um, him versus Brock for the Universal title that's now relinquished mm-hmm. um, due to the Roman Reigns situation at Crown Jewel. So, like I said, it, it definitely seems like the, the card's taking place. We just don't know where. So, because they're booking everything towards that right now. Um, but then uh, we had a feel-good moment. You had uh, the Shield getting a tag team title match against Dolphin Drew um, for the main event. Um very very good match super emotional uh the shield end up going over winning the tag belts and everything um and they had emotional moments throughout the night mm-hmm. um you know they came out on the stage you know after roman's speech and everything and greeted him and it was a really heartfelt moment um you also uh backstage they did a little interview and um dean and seth both cut great promos and everything about what this means for the shield um just very well done um and great performances by both but then uh as they're celebrating their title win dean turns heel yep just like that. Dirty deeds on both titles. Yes. <laughs> and on the outside of the ring, on the concrete. Yes. So, I mean, he didn't just, like, hit one, you know, dirty deeds. He demolished Seth. He let the crowd know this was real. Um, it was a big moment, and it really played on people's emotions mm-hmm. because they were getting this big, you know, I don't know, heartfelt moment with, you know, the shield kind of, you know, 
you know, beating all odds and doing it for Roman and then to have Dean turn really, really fucked with people and the crowd reacted well to it. Um, you know, it makes sense character wise and what they mm-hmm. needed to do. I'm sure it was probably the long, you know, game plan at this point, you know, for Dean to turn eventually. I understand why they would have to really hotch out the angle. Um, you know, not, not that I really feel like it's hot shit. I feel like they've been playing this up yes. for a while, but it was a good time to do it and it made it count. It made it worth something because I feel like if it happened at any other point, it'd be a 50, 50 reaction mm-hmm. where, you know, half the crowd would be cheering it and half the crowd would be booing it. Most, the majority of the crowd were just in shock. I mean, great crowd reaction shots. Um, people were like, you would just hear like a sink because the crowd was almost silent at parts, but you'd hear like one single voice like, Dean, you're an idiot. Like just angry at him. <laughs> oh, you got a why, Dean, why by one guy. Yes. Just like, why are you doing this? Yes. 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 Just yelling at him. An amazing moment. And it was a heel turn done right. Mm. Finally, WWE does something well. I guess they did not tell Dean that he was turning heel to um i think it was like to like the middle of the card they like during like the finn and uh lashley match they told them that you're going to turn tonight so they didn't want to plant any seeds Mm -hmm. you know um you know beforehand just in case you know he would show his hand um you know during the other segments which i think geared up the rest of the night yeah just got pretty much you know probably just talked logistics Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I saw there was some um, chop of fire in that attack, so I was definitely impressed. I want to see a true heel Mm -hmm. Dean Ambrose. I'm done with this, you know, wacky persona. We haven't really. (laughs) Oh yes, I'm done with like the little motorcycle rev thing that he's got Mm -hmm. going on with his theme music. So um, I want to see a different side of Ambrose, and we have been kind of seeing that, you know, more serious Mm -hmm. Dean Ambrose since his return. But give me a true heel. You know, Dean Ambrose, someone who's just despicable. I feel like he has it in him. So, um, even the way he was attacking Seth and, like, basically, like, asking him why he's making him do this, I thought it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I love that shit, man. You know, um, just kind of seeing this, like, psychosis happen on the screen was fantastic. You know, not the luchador. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the condition. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, well done, WWE. I will give them credit when credit's due. So um, so SmackDown was lackluster. Not much happened. I mean, Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles were in another match against the Usos. Same shit happened, but this time with, you know, AJ fucking up. And then they did an interview backstage where Daniel Bryan kind of accused of AJ doing mm. it on purpose. And, you know, um, made... A remark, you know, uh, just kind of, I don't know, implying that, you know, just it, he brought up the too sweet thing in the Bullet Club thing kind of in a roundabout way, you know, almost implying that he's a heel, which is, I don't know, it was kind of weird and just an awkward promo overall. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like it worked. Um, it just, I feel Are like they the, trying to make AJ the heel in this situation? I don't think so. I mean, Daniel's the one who accidentally hit him in the first place and it felt very accidental. You know, um, in this match. So I'm not sure what they're going for. Mm. Um, it, it 
doesn't like it, it first i was like okay well this is ending up with like miz interfering in this match somehow i don't feel like they're gonna go this route now i feel like miz is kind of out of that picture mm-hmm. at this point um just because he was you know he had his miss tv and he had mysterio on and he seems to be kind of like fully engulfed in this whole like you know whatever they're calling world cup thing tournaments that they're doing so um i find that kind of disappointing but if it means that we're going to get like a full program with Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles, that's cool too. I, I, I can watch those guys wrestle all day long. So uh, I just want them to put more into the booking. Yes. You know, they can perform. I just need it to be yeah. a story. Give me, give me a little bit of story. Like yeah. I don't want just to be face versus face, you know, um, it just feel, feel very vanilla. So um, otherwise, man, Jesus, you had yes. you had um, Becky jumping Charlotte at the performance mm-hmm. center while she was making some speech for NXT. Which I feel like they released footage for that before. Yes, yes, over the weekend or yeah. something like that. They they showed like footage of it. So this was just them, you know, showing exactly what happened. So um, I like what Becky's doing. I like that she's the one who's still stalking Charlotte. So that's kind of cool. Um, but was this enough to sell me on the evolution card? No, not at all. So, and I feel like this is probably the most they put out, put into any match booking wise, Mm -hmm. um, for that card. So it was a little disappointing. They had like a tag team match with the the women and I don't even know what the fuck happened at the end. I won't lie. I know Asuka was standing (laughs) tall. It felt like it was just like, I don't even know if the match actually took place. You know, it was very like. Wasn't there just quick. a bunch of dancing between Asuka and? No, no, no. I mean, they like might have came out dance, okay. but yeah, no. Like, um, the iconics were involved and everything. Asuka pretty much like cleared the ring. So I mean, I, I don't get it. You know, I really don't. You know, I mean, it, it feels like they're trying to tell us Asuka's going to win the battle royal, but I don't see that happening at all but we'll, we'll get into that once yes we yes do our little predictions um, here in a moment that wasn't even the main event though you know you think they would like kind of end on that note mm. to get over the pay-per-view since it is the go home show before the pay-per-view but no we got a jeff hardy versus randy orton uh, match just very randomly i have no idea there it, was nothing to I, it. I think it was it's putting over the world cup tournament because they're both in it but I don't know. We've seen this match, yeah. you know, a, a quite a few times over the last couple months. So it was just a weird way to end, you know, SmackDown. And mm. it feels like they really could have ended with the Brian and AJ Styles, you know, match. But they chose not to. Once again, that storyline feels like the B storyline on what is the B show. So what does that make that title? nothing like it means nothing it's so bizarre how they're booking that belt right now i don't get it so but yeah besides that yeah the bar destroyed new day and we have no reason behind that faction existing but they do they're not calling big show is still there yes big show's still very much there they're not calling them show bar that was the big room of their faction name show bar no. Lazy assholes. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, SmackDown was very lackluster. Very lackluster this week. So, um, but let's talk about the Evolution card. Yes. Let's move on. Um, 
so this is taking place Sunday. Yes, it is. Um, there's there's stuff to tout about, I guess, but then there's plenty that they didn't really book. Well, you pointed out that the undercard seems stronger yes. than you know what we're getting from the main roster, and that's mostly just because you know these are all competitors that we've seen do really great matches in the past. Uh, first off, we have I think on here you have uh, Raya Ripley going up against Isla Dawn. Yeah, we don't know the match order at all. This is no. just kind of what we've you know been able to piece together. And this is for the NXT UK Championship. Now, I haven't watched anything of NXT UK. I think it just started. Mm-hmm. If it if it has officially, no, it started. had started because they. Um, that's how Ryo won the title. She okay. won on the initial episode. Okay, yeah. So it just started mm. then. So yeah. And you would have thought, you know, Tony Storm would have been their obvious first champion choice, but she's been, you know, booked up with uh, the Mayhem Classic. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. So that's that's what we. I mean, I have no idea anything <laughs> about that match. I could not comment on that. I. Mm. You know, I just I know, know. I, both competitors were in the May Young Classic. Uh, I know at least Ryo was in the first year. I don't know if both were in the second year or not, but um, Ryo's a really good talent, and I'm excited to see her do more in the ring. You think she retains? I think she retains to go up against Tony once Tony wins the uh, May Young Classic. Okay. <laughs> All right. Spoilers on Christian's prediction. Yes. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Battle Royal. So, um, officially announced participants for the match are uh, Tamina Snuka, Billy Kay, Peyton Royce, Ember Moon, Alicia Fox, Nia Jax, Dana Brooke, Asuka, Mandy Rose, Sonia Deville, Carmella, Lana, Naomi, Tori Wilson, Michelle McCool. Michelle McCool. Really? Yeah. Um, Medusa, Molly Holly. Oh, I guess her husband is going to be, you know, working for the company in a week. So, um, might as well get him two paychecks, right? <laughs> um, Molly Holly Ivory. My God, Ivory, huh? She's going to be like sixty years old. Well, she was at the um, what was it? The Royal Rumble, wasn't she? Ivory, no, no, Ivory wasn't there. Hmm. No, she didn't do the Royal Rumble. That would have made sense for her to show up on the uh, Royal Rumble. But yeah, no, I yeah, I, I guess they got Ivory back. She won the Hall of Fame this year. So uh Kelly Kelly. Oh, Kelly Kelly. Yep. Uh <laughs> Maria Canellis. Oh god, Christian. Um So and the winner of this is guaranteed a championship title shot down the road. Whenever they put down the road. <laughs> means they're not going to win the belt. Uh, Whenever they have down the road. Or, yes, they'll just throw it on like a two-minute match on SmackDown. Or I'm Raw. pretty sure um, Naomi's owed a title shot for winning like one of those type of uh, battle royals. Oh, the WrestleMania battle royal. Mm-hmm. Was that a, for a title shot? I think they put it... Uh, it's supposed to be whoever wins that still gets a title shot. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> I don't care. Well, Carmella had it, so they couldn't like. <laughs> that feels weird. Okay. Um, but, yeah. I'm a little disappointed that there's not more NXT stars in this Battle Royal. You would think that they mm. would load up on that. I don't know how many people we have right now. I'm sure there's probably more, you know, um, competing in this match. So maybe some NXT stars will, you know, get their moment in the spotlight. But... Um, and maybe a couple more surprises. 
But I mean, it's a shame that they have never announced uh, any tag titles that could have been on the show or anything like that. That could have oh, been a special moment Christian. for them. Oh, I'm not God. trying Don't to. Even, no, I agree. I agree. You know, that was the big rumor, and that's kind of what we're speculating, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, this would be a great time to introduce tag titles, and you could have had a nice little tournament. It would have made sense story-wise for these wrestlers to be, you know, wrestling for something, mm-hmm. um, and it would mean a lot for the division. You know, I feel like it would give them a secondary storyline so the women would have something else to do instead of these, you know, multi-women matches, tag matches that are happening every week. It's like if you're not in the title picture, you're kind of forgotten about mm-hmm. on both shows. So, I mean, it's unfortunate, but it still hasn't happened yet. Um, I'm just I'm just disappointed. And, you know, honestly, with the whole card, and I know we still have a whole card to run down, <laughs> but they could have just given us good wrestling matches. You could have just gave us ba- Bailey versus Sasha. Just because yes. we know it's going to be an awesome match, could just you know, a rematch from that classic. You know, I mean, you could have just gone that route, or give us Asuka versus you know some up up and coming like you know NXT star. Just because you know, because we want to see good women's wrestling, mm. and that's what this card should be about. But I mean, just lazy booking, lazy fucking booking. Um, what do we got next well, after this? Well, who Before do you I think just who do you think to... will win the battle royal if you had to pick someone? Do I care? Um, <laughs> I'm gonna say it's gonna go to. I want to say Molly Holly, <laughs> just because I really love Molly Holly. Uh, but I'm gonna say. I'm not going to say Asuka, because I feel like they just don't give a shit about her anymore. I'm going to say it's going to be Nia Jax. I'm going to say Ember Moon. I would like that. I would like that. Mm-hmm. With a potential do it. title shot down the road, that would be nice. That would be nice, but they won't do it, just because it feels like it makes too much sense. <laughs> so... As long, as long as it's not Michelle McCool or Kelly Kelly, I'm okay. Oh, God, that would be a nightmare. Um, Literally a nightmare. I would turn it off. I always struggle with this name, but it's E.O. Shirai uh, versus Tony Storm. Okay. Have you been watching the uh, second May on I Classic? I haven't had t- time to watch the second May on Classic, but I do know e- um, E.O. is a phenomenal performer from Japan. Okay. Uh, from what I've seen of clips, just of her performance out there, it's been great. And I know Tony Storm is fucking rocking. Okay. So. <laughs> I like it. So who do you have winning over? <sighs> I have I Tony Storm. Yeah, winning. I think you already spoiled that, right? You I know Tony Storm. I say Tony Storm, but at the same time, I could easily see EO taking over and winning. Okay. It's just the same as Carrie saying um, winning the past. Do you think EO needs it more? I feel like she has a long run in NXT coming either way. Because I feel like Tony Storm's an established name. Mm-hmm. So I feel like she might not need it as much. As I, I don't know if maybe Tony Storm will be putting over the NXT show more. The mm-hmm. UK t- show more. Okay. By having her there. And then you have her standing up against uh, Rhea Ripley at the end of yeah. this. Yeah, that, would, that makes sense. I could see them going either way, though. Mm-hmm. So, um, All right. All right, I do need to catch up on the Mae Young Classic. Yes. And then speaking of Sane, Carrie Sane going up against Shayna Blazer for the NXT Women's Championship is on here next. This is probably the match I'm looking forward to the most. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I definitely want to see Becky versus Charlotte, 
but I feel like this is the most promising match on the card. So, um, where do you think this is going? I, I still feel like Baszler's coming up any day now at this point. So I'd keep the title on sane. But I just don't know who she's going to be going up against next if they go against, if she continues with NXT, if maybe... If Baszler continues with it? No, if um, Sane continues to be champion, who would be her next opponent? I don't know if you... Uh, what's her name right now? I just had it and then forgot. Nikki, if, oh, if Nikki Cross will be, you know, her next opponent at this point. But I'm trying to think what's the next big name in the NXT Women's Division to go up against Sane at this point. I haven't been paying enough attention mm-hmm. in the last couple months, so... But I think Baszler's on her way up. You do? Yes, at this point. But do you, I mean, I don't feel like they'll make that call, but usually it's like WrestleMania season. Like, yeah, like I feel like if she's coming up, it's going to either be right before WrestleMania or like during a, a draft or something afterwards. So I could see them continuing to feud, you know, after this. So, I mean, maybe Beasler wins and then, you know, you continue with Sane chasing her. So. I feel like it's been a while, though. They've been going at it for quite a while. Yeah, but it's NXT. They play sure. the long game. You know, mm. it's not the main roster. So <laughs> fans appreciate that. Yeah, get that mentality that. out of my head. Uh-huh, right. Uh, all right. And then, God, I, like I said before, I feel like I've seen this match about six times on Raw. But we're getting Sasha Banks, Bailey, and Natalia versus the Riot Squad. I think easy answer is it's, it's a happy ending type story. You have the faces go over and you move on with your lives. God damn it. You know? I mean, it would have been awesome to see, like, save Sasha Banks first, you know, Ruby Wright for this show. Like, that... And give them time to actually tell a story. Because these are all people that can work. Well... Yes. It I don't know about like Sarah a, Logan. But this is all people that can... Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this just just wasted waste mm-hmm. of talent. Ridiculous. I mean, could you imagine if this had been the end of the Bailey versus Sasha storyline? If they had just built it if all If that together? ever happened? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. Like, oh, they were, were friends for a little bit at this point. And Actually, they had a big blood exploded. feud and a huge payoff in a cage. Yeah, that'd be fantastic, <laughs> Christian. But we are not booking. <laughs> so instead, we have a tag team for no reason. Mm. You know, because there's no tag belts. Um, and we get a, a lousy six-man tag. So, I don't... It just feels pointless to me. How fun I don't would get it be it. if they announced tag titles on Monday after this? <laughs> that I wouldn't put it past them. I really wouldn't put it past them. I mean, maybe on the show they decide to announce it or something. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? That's me just holding on to hope. But, uh, next up, we got the old-timers versus Alexa Bliss <laughs> and Mickey James. <laughs> Um. Well, I, I, once again, it just feels like easy booking. You just have the faces go over. Yes. Then and by that, by the old timers, I mean Trish Stratus versus Lita. Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry, not first. Trish Stratus and Lita versus Alexa. No, no, no. It would be too interesting to have Trish Stratus and Lita go at it again. <laughs> yeah, that is true. I mean, that would have been great to have Mickey James versus Trish. Exactly. Again. That was, I think, what a lot of people were speculating for a while. Yeah. It's like. Yeah, that would have made sense. So. It would have been interesting to have one of them have the title as well, especially with both of them having similar amounts of reigns. Well, and they've been, you know, misbooking Mickey since she's returned, you know, mm. for the last two years. So, 
Um, she's there now just to solely get other people over, which yeah. is unfortunate because she has a lot to offer in the ring still. And she's still, I feel like she's the one of the best on the mic, you know, in the women's division. So, and they're really not tapping into Would you say talent. she's the Chris Jericho of the women's division at the moment? Because she's older? You just well, because she's putting over other talent all the time. She's still... Yeah, Jericho still got himself over. <laughs> Don't let him fool you. <laughs> she's not... Yeah, no. No, no okay. No, because Jericho still Wrong found a way to get himself over. I see where you're going, but no, I, I gotta say. Because Jericho would make sure he was featured in everything. So, um, and rightfully so. So, uh, but, okay. Yeah, Trish and Lita are in this, mm. right? So, uh, moving on. SmackDown's Women's Championship match. And I feel like this should be the main event, even though it won't be. No, it's SmackDown. Yes. Yes, it's SmackDown. And you have Nikki Bella and Ronda Rousey on a card. Not main event. Who do you think is more over right now? Becky or Ronda? Oh. That's hard. To, that's a hard call because casual fans absolutely love Ronda. Yes. When she comes out. She definitely has more mainstream appeal. Mm-hmm. But fans are fucking super behind Becky. <sighs> I mean, that'd be interesting. She could burn down people's houses and people are still <laughs> cheering for her. Um, I mean, she is the heel in this. And like yes. I said, she's the Roman Reigns of heels right now where she's just getting cheered regardless of what she's mm. doing. It doesn't matter what she does. She gets cheered. I mean, she's so. come out with this attitude and she's rocked it completely. Yes. Um, I think she got advice from Shawn Michaels at, during um, the last... Marine Six is that what it is? Because they were all in the film together, and apparently he gave her advice. You know, when you go back to wrestling, you you raise your head up high and you take this attitude with you and you keep going. And she's been rocking for her. So, well, that's a that's a good mentor to Mm. have. So, (laughs) kind of knows what he's talking about. Yes. So, um, it's working. Whatever's happening is working. Um, it's a last woman standing match, which I think is interesting. Yeah, I didn't know about that. So, where do you think they go here? It's an endurance match. Um, I mean, we have a lot of faces winning on this card. I could still see Becky coming out at the end, having Charlotte still chasing. Because they like to have a good face chasing the This heel, is their third match. Yeah. Right? Becky got disqualified the last match. Mm-hmm. So, they could... Technically, Charlotte is have in another match need of a win, but do yeah, you, do you I'm think gonna... double count? <laughs> oh God, I hope not. Um, I'm gonna say Becky wins here. You know, I feel like she's got more of a mm-hmm. run in her. I feel like yeah, they're not ready to take the title off of her just you know, yet. And even if Becky ends up losing, I feel like this feud continues. It'll be her chasing Charlotte for a while. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I think Becky wins here. The Find a way to continue the feud still, though, and it goes on to Crown Jewel. So, um, but yeah, I feel like Becky gets the win here and, you know, lets the fans go home happy. Yes. So, and then last but not least, Ronda Rousey, the Raw Women's Champion, versus Nikki Bella. I think Nikki might win. I hope not. I, I, I really hope not, but I agree. <laughs> I feel like they'll cheat to win, and then it'll be Ronda chasing Nikki. 
they'll outsmart her. Mm. God, I hope not. Or Natalia finally turns. <laughs> Natalia shows up to help and turns? And turns. Because Natalia has close ties to the Bellas. I guess. I... I Do we want a title? Every time I say, game? you know, they're going to do a heel turn on a pay-per-view, they don't do it till the next night. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason I feel like that won't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I agree. I feel like Nikki could win this. Um, they're going to want to... If, if she is supposed to lose this match, the telltale sign will be if it's not the main event. Hmm. Because I feel like they're not going to want to end on a sour note. So... I feel like they're going to want to send people home happy with this being the first like women's pay-per-view and everything. I feel like Nikki Bella winning this is the wrong message to be sent here. <laughs> so you know what? Forget everything I just said. I think Ronda's winning. Because <laughs> I, I think they want to go with the worker here. And even though she's very green still and new in the business, I feel like Ronda's definitely the right message to send to people. Not Nikki. I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna stick traditional. I'm gonna stick with Nikki for right now. Okay. Just so that we have. I, like I mean, it. we've agreed on everything until this point. Stick, stick with your guns. So, uh, but yeah, I, I'm gonna say Ronda just because I feel like it's the right message. Mm-hmm. She's the new well, leader of this division, sense. and mm-hmm. you know they want to send people home happy. That's just Vince's motto with everything. It feels like with like the bigger pay per views. So, um, and yet he's had me watch. So many pay-per-views end in so much dismay. Well, he doesn't care about what you think, Christian. <laughs> it's more about that like 13-year-old girl and boy in the audience yes. who are buying t-shirts. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say Rhonda here. All right. All right, man. Um, this pay-per-view overall, it has potential, though, to be a good pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. You know, even though we're less than impressed with the booking of it. The performers, if they, you know, get enough time, they could definitely put on a good show. You yes, know? and I'm hoping that they do so. I'm oh, absolutely. they put on some fucking six-star matches. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, I just don't... I have little faith in just, mm. you know, the writers and, you know, the people who are actually booking these matches. So I want them to knock it so hard out of the park that they have to pay attention. Absolutely. They have to start writing them better stories. I agree. I agree 100%. All right, well, that's going to do it for this week. Yes. It is 1.30 in the morning again. Mm-hmm. So we're almost at three hours. We are at three hours. Wow, we look at, at that. That's right, damn it. haven't edited yet, so... We're, we're the Ric Flair of the podcasting world, damn it. Woo! <laughs> uh, we're gonna, we've got some shout-outs for everyone. Uh, we went with a spooky theme since it is the season. Um, so these are some awesome, scary podcasts that you should be listening to. Uh, first up is the Grave Girls podcast. Three girls review horror films and relate them to true crime cases and scary stories. Go ahead and check them out on all your popular podcast forums. Uh, also we got Real Horror Show. Sam and Stormy died and they can't get into heaven until they review every horror movie on Netflix. Hear them on Spotify. Uh, next up, we have Holly Weird Paranormal. 
a Hollywood true crime and paranormal podcast following true crime stories with a paranormal aftermath. Life is too short to be basic. Stay weird. Um, and then up next is Murderous Miners Podcast, a true crime podcast, stories of killer kids. Go ahead and hear her stuff over at Spreaker. All right, and that's going to do it for those shouts, but you can also hear all of our podcasts that are on our network, DCP, that's Drama City Productions. That's right, represent. Um, then we also, you know, this isn't the only horror episodes that we've done. You know, we've done quite a few. So go check out our back catalog that you can find out on all these different podcast sites like Spreaker, like Spotify, like Podbean, like iTunes, and so much more that I'm going to cut myself off on there. That's right. I heart radio. There we go. Yes. <laughs> That's all I got, though. <laughs> Um, so definitely continue to check us out. Listen to everything. I mean, we talk, we've talked a lot about um, first films, but we did a whole couple episodes on sequels. That's right, our favorite sequels. Mm. That's right. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> so, um, feels so long ago. Yes. But, uh, yeah, go ahead and check us out on all those forums. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review us. Yes. Um, it keeps a podcast like us going. Mm. Um, also, go ahead and check out our house band. You're listening to them right now, Them Guilty Aces. Yes. Uh, they're on iTunes, and they have a new video up on YouTube. Yes. So go ahead, download their stuff, give them a listen, and if you're in the Chicagoland area, check out a show. Yes, uh, check out our house DJ as well, Greg Brebner. That's right. Uh, he's on SoundCloud, and you can follow him on Instagram. Yes, we're on Instagram as well, Dave. That's right. We're also on Facebook and, and Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> we're doing, we're doing this way too much. Way too much. <laughs> We're going to be wearing matching sweaters at Christmas time now. Oh, Jesus. Uh, so, yeah, go ahead and check us out there. we got different content every day. Yes. Popping up, news items, funny memes. Whatever we can find. That's really. right. Uh, go ahead and give us a follow. And last but not least, I love to talk about video games, but I also love to play them. So I'm on Twitch. That's at Amazing Nerd Show. You can find us on Twitch. Um, this weekend's going to be big because we have Red Dead Redemption 2 finally coming out. I'm going to be playing it all Friday night, and I'm going to be playing it all goddamn Sunday. So definitely check me out then. Um, and that's going to be it for this show. That's right. Uh, stay tuned. Next week, big show. Yes. We will be uh, dropping the show on Halloween, On right? Halloween. So how about you enjoy your Halloween with the Amazing Nerds? Yes. All right. I'm Christian. And I'm Damon. And that's the Amazing Nerd Show. Stay nerdy, bitches. And spooky. This has been a Drama City production. Most people are so ungrateful to be alive. But not you. Not anymore. Ah! Ah! Game over.